Yeah, this is uh, John Robinson, and you're listening to uh, myself and Steve and Chris on the Hot Rods by Boyd podcast. Is that what you wanted? That's what we wanted. That's what we wanted. Recording from our headquarters in Old Town Orange, welcome to the Hot Rods by Boyd podcast. All right, welcome back. We're here at our headquarters down in Old Town Orange. Me and Chris holding it down. We've got an awesome guest today. What's up, Mr. John Robinson? How we doing today, buddy? Uh, I think okay. Live and breathing. <laughs> Thank you for coming out, buddy. Hey, not a problem. You know what? Uh, I figured since you were such a vocal critic of the podcast, uh, you know, I'd have nah, you not on. Me. I'd have you. I'd have you on. You know. Um, so for those of you that don't know John, John is the oldest son of Fat Jack. Jack Robinson, also uh, locally world famous, definitely influencer, um, great friend of my dad's. So, which we'll get into all that, right? So, what have you been doing today? What's going on? You just went and saw your dad. Yeah, um, went down into uh, work for a, till noon where I normally work, and swung by my shop and picked some stuff up, and had to run out to my dad's and take me to the doctors and do a couple of odds and ends and hustle back in here in the town that generation's getting older man yeah and they weren't uh i gotta say man they definitely they definitely weren't i don't know they weren't health conscious at all i mean my dad went to an early grave because of it you know yeah um it's funny um when your pop and and butera died i wish i had a dollar for everybody that come up to my dad and said well, we figured you'd be gone first right yeah and that was god's honest truth yeah, your dad was definitely not one. I mean, all of our all of our parents never really took care of themselves. I mean, they kind of were part of that that baby boomer generation where it's like, oh, I'm 40. Oh, I gotta go. Let me then it's I gotta go to the doctor to get my blood pressure medicine, you know, yeah. and whatever medicine. And it's like I think that's kind of changing now. I mean, I'm trying to be more conscious of it, you know. I don't. I mean, you know, but it is what it is. But you know what, man? Those guys went after it with the hot rod thing, man. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. We talk, and, and I know we need to circle back on some of the stuff we've we've talked about. But it's kind of like it's cool that you're here because you're kind of you you are older than me. You're seven years older than me. Yeah, but said, we yeah. grew up around the same time. I mean, this we saw the same stuff happening. You got a little bit uh, you know, different perspective on it because you were a little bit older than me. But you know, let's take it back, man. Like let's talk about back in the seventies. You grew up. You, did you grow up in Hawaiian Gardens? Yeah, we um, actually my family uh, is th- from there from before, prior to World War Two. My grand my uh, my grandmother's family they lived there, and it was it was different then than it is now. It was mostly um, you know a few little houses and mostly like fields. You know they would grow stuff or whatever. I mean, that was a lot of Dairyland too. Dairyland I mean, was between in- there and. Buena Park and Cypress. Buena Park, Cypress, La Palma, Cerritos. I don't know if you're old enough to remember or not, but uh, on the 605 freeway on the, um, oh, it would be the east side of the freeway was always the mall, and the west side of the freeway where the auto mall is, that was all cows. That was a big, giant dairy. Well, if you go north on the 605, that's all the duck farms, too. Still. That's further. That's well, further I don't up. even know that's there. But, yeah, it, there's a lot of agriculture along yeah. there. If you ever, like, I used to ride my bike along that. And 
it's there's a lot of horse property mm-hmm. off of like what you would consider a normal correct normal Orange County or LA County like suburban tract. Yeah. yeah. You know, which is you know, but I mean, uh, Hawaiian Gardens, uh, it's a tiny little town, and it's just you know, I it, think it's a mile square. Yeah, it's it's tiny town, and it's really. You were probably what three miles from where our house was at on Orange Avenue. Yeah, thereabouts. It wasn't that far. I mean, it's you know basically, Hawaiian Gardens is uh, Carson Pioneer, um, going to the uh, the east. You hit Bloomfield, and so you go over Bloomfield. That's Orange County and Cypress, and you guys were just up the street there. So yeah, it wasn't that far. Yeah. No, I remember. And then just a few miles away. Yeah. From from you in Hawaiian Gardens, then you have the nice Rossmore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Los Alamitos and Rossmore, where John Butera lived. Yeah, actually, it's uh, you hit uh, El Dorado Estates, uh, which is right next to Hawaiian Gardens. And then you get into, like you say, Rossmore, Los, Al- you know, Los Alamitos, College Rossmore. Park, all yeah. that area. Yeah. It's, um, as a matter of fact, when my dad was growing up, when they were building the 605 freeway, he said they built that. Eldorado Estates and the houses were going to be like five or six, seven thousand dollars, and they thought everybody was crazy going to spend that kind of money for right. a house back then, you know. And, and now, shit. what are they, seven hundred? Oh no, you couldn't do that. They're probably closer to a million. Really? In that area, yeah, eight hundred to a million dollars. I'd have to guess. Yeah, no, that was. Uh, I mean, all the all the farmland and everything kind of went away before I. I think right, I think that's kind of like when I I can't remember really any of that. You know, I still remember some of like the little chicken. I think in Cyprus they had you can go and get the fresh eggs. The guy with the on Walker. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that was there. That whole area was Artesia. Um, like I said, it was Artesia, La Palma, Cerritos, Buena Park, um, Cyprus area. There was a lot of dairies. There it was Dutchman. The Dutchman owned them, and the Portuguese worked were the laborers. You know, really. And yeah, and Artesia was a lot of uh, like when my dad was growing up and stuff. A lot of Dutchmen. As a matter of fact, my dad said when he was a kid, you know, he went to Artesia High School, and you could tell um, where the kids were from by different things of their cars. Like he said, the kids that came from Hawaiian Gardens all had you know hot rods, like thirties and forties cars. And and he went to high school in the late fifties. I think he graduated in, um, uh, God. 59 or 60 i'd have to guess when was he born what year 43 43 okay yeah. so he was a year older than my dad yeah and uh or he is he is a, he's a year older than my, okay yeah because my dad was born in 44 so anyway um all the dairy kids the dutchmen where they went to you know that lived on artesia they all had like you know 58 impalas and 409 chevys and all stuff and they all had you know they all had the money to go have watson paint their cars and shit you know and and the kids in Hawaiian Gardens, you know, because at one time, like I said, Carson is the main drag through Hawaiian Gardens, and like I said, you have Pioneer, Norwalk yeah. Boulevard, and Bloomfield. Well, between Pioneer and Norwalk, there were several wrecking yards. This is years ago. Yeah, you know, so the kids over there they can go buy cars or whatever for you know ten, fifteen, twenty five bucks. So they all had you know hot rods per se. And my dad said it even went as far as. The like I say, Bloomfield was the Orange County, LA County line, and the kids that lived in Orange County over there had, I think you told me the, their steelies were painted white, and the kids in Lakewood, Hawaiian Gardens, the steelies were painted black. Really? Yeah. So you know, it's, it's it's kind of interesting how things were different, you know, for the demographics, you know, and like I said, 
you know, I don't know how much a Watson paint job was. I mean, it was probably a couple hundred dollars, which isn't shit today. You couldn't even buy a, you know, you couldn't, even buy, you a, couldn't <laughs> buy a gallon, you know, you couldn't even buy the paint to do that for 200 bucks, but they couldn't afford it. But all the dairy kids could afford to have Watson. So they had all the candy colors and, you know, all the scallop, you know, brand new cars were scalloped and shit like that with the chrome reverse wheels. Or if they had the extra money, they had Skylarks on them, you know? Well, the, and Hawaiian gardens actually, I mean, you know, your so your dad came out of there. But mm-hmm. also the Tovar brothers, yeah, right, and and I think Eddie's still there. I see Eddie all the time. Actually, there's four brothers. There's Michael's the youngest one. He's my age. Donald was a couple years older than me in high school, I think. Um, Eddie is a few years younger than my dad. He he was kind of like a a, a kid running around when my dad was in his teens, and there's another brother. Um, I can't think of the other brothers. I don't really know the older brother, the other brother, but there's a, there's a fourth brother. And I see Eddie's not, you know, I got a little shop over there on the North side of Hawaiian gardens off of Centralia. And Eddie's just, you know, Christ quarter mile away. You know, every once in a while he comes by, you know, and yeah. And for, time. for those of you that don't know, Tovar is very famous in the low riding world. Correct. Very famous. And from the little town of uh, Hawaiian gardens and a lot of the, a lot of these guys, Eddie, uh, and then, you know, Rob Day from Wheel City, they all worked at Tire City. Yeah. So do you remember? I mean, I don't obviously remember Tire there, City. But. Yeah, it was right there on, um, it's not there. They just, it, it was a tire shop for years. And I just in the last year tore it down and left one wall and built. And now it's like a enterprise rent-a-car place. But yeah, really? it was there for years. It was on. Uh, on Carson. So on Carson. In between Bloomfield and Norwalk. Yeah. Right? yeah. It was right off of, um, it was one block. Um, east of Belshire, and that was um, the whole little town has changed a, a, a ton. There even used to be a speed shop in there. Old Henry Contreras had Total Performance, really? was, was kind of catacorner from where this tire shop is that you're talking about, you know. And he had a, um, it's funny, he had I don't know, 55 or 56, it was on the cover, I think, of, Hot Ro- of either Carcraft or Hot Rod, I think it was Carcraft. He had a custom 55 Chevy that he built. And then he had a, a candy blue uh, 33 Willys coupe that he ran, injected on nitro. He ran with, it had a 289 in it that he ran it, you know, in the 70s. And then he also, they had, uh, um, they run against um, like injected funny cars. It's kind of funny, a short, little short wheelbase car. And then after that, they had a, but actually my dad did for him. They did a, had a, a Vega, which Henry still has to this day that they used to run. Nice, but out of you know, like I say, yeah, out of out of there. But my dad would tell me that actually in the old days there was you know, they used to have Ascot and they used to have roundy round races and stuff like that. There was a lot of guys with roundy rounds race cars and shit and in the ghetto over there. But it wasn't. It's a pre- predominantly a Hispanic community now. Yeah. As, was it was it back then? When too? I gr- when I grew up, it was too. It seemed like I me. Mean, I always remembered as a majority Hispanic. But pr- prior to that, it was you know, like I'm saying after the war and stuff. I mean. My dad told me that... What, what, what were we talking about? World War II. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, long time ago. But um, my dad told me that the only streets that were paved were like Pioneer, Norwalk, and Carson. And then the streets that ran through parallel with Carson, like 219, 221st, 223rd, those streets were paved. All the rest of the streets were dirt roads. Really? Yeah, up till about... I was born in 67, so either up to about 65 or 68, they were still dirt roads. Because I remember one time, 
my dad used to get pissed off when people would park their shit in front of our house. And, um, one time, you know, we had a, especially when he had a do, we had the dually because we had, you know, you pulled in the yards, a gate and they had like an archway, you know, so you go into the back Well, the dually wouldn't fit in the yard. So he'd come and park in front of the house. And originally there was a fire plug there and, um, my dad would park there, you know, and he, and this one cop would always come by at like at midnight or one o'clock in the morning and write him a fucking ticket for parking in front of the fire plug. So he finally went down and raised enough hell with the city that, um, they moved the fire plug. We had our house and my grandparents had the two houses prior. That was, one was a rental one. My grandparents lived there. Well, they took the fire plug and actually put it right on the property line where the because it had an apron where it had a joined driveways with a, f- a fence down the middle, and they actually moved it and put it right there because my dad raised so much hell. And I, that cop, never, they, the cop got reprimanded and never bothered him again, right. you know. But anyway, what he'd do is he'd come over there with the home with a dually, and if they had their shit parked there, he'd just fucking bump into them and push them forward. <laughs> so this guy kept getting, he got all pissed off about it, and my dad says they're going to call the cops. He says, call the fucking cops. I don't give a shit, you know, and the cops come out there and, you know, so on and so forth. And they're telling my dad, ah, you don't own the streets, you know, this and that. And my dad says, actually, I did pay. He, they told him you didn't pay for the streets. My dad says, actually, to be honest with you, yeah, I fucking did. Because they were dirt roads. Really? And I lived here. This is my house. And they had all had to put, you know, they come around, you have to pay extra taxes or wh- however they do yeah. it, you know. So in theory, he actually did pay to have the curbs put in and all that. And the, and the streets paved, you know, back in the day. Dude. But yes. Yeah, I just my earliest I mean there there I can think of people especially like when we talk about the hot rodding world and family and friends and stuff your dad's definitely one of the first people I remember you know fat jack bowders you know <laughs> the, you know the 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 bowder family uh you know um just you you guys and um even back then I mean I just I remember he used to come over and there was for some reason any dog we had hated your dad hated your dad like there's just this like yeah. you know i think it's just the way he just carried himself with the <laughs> just like you can just tell oh the dog was going crazy oh fat jack's probably here right now i don't know it's like i used to tell people you either <laughs> you either love my dad or you hated him and there was no in between you know yeah but i think he just i gotta give him credit he he's he's very consistent yeah <laughs> very consistent it wasn't you know there's nothing worse than some of these people that are like your best buddy one minute and they're a, oh, an asshole the that. next and it's just like that's some fake bullshit your dad is definitely yeah. he's not a fake person no you know where you stand with him that's for and sure he i mean no filter no <laughs> no filter none whatsoever you know? i mean you you know uh it didn't care if your kids were you know <laughs> if your kids were there with you uh, but I do remember, I mean, he kind of, he kind of, uh, you know, I, he, he mellowed out a little bit later on. Cause I remember when my daughter was probably five or something, he would, I mean, you know, he definitely was different, different than I remember him as, you know, she'd go up to him or whatever. And he'd interact with her, but sure at the, at the car shows and, you know, but early on, man, it was just like was Talk, just, talking about, about that, you know, when your first, do you remember? When your brother Greg and you and I and my dad and your dad went to flew to Roy's for his first open house in Frisco. Oh, dude, no. You guys were little because you had an aunt or something that lived up there. Yeah, man, Ori and Uncle Sam lived up there. And that's where you you guys. You guys dropped us off. Probably. Yeah, that's right. basically what happened. I right, take the kids. Yeah. That, I mean, that's been. 
That was a long time ago. Yeah, that you been, guys were real little. Oh, it would have been tiny. I don't remember that. Yeah, because that was I was surprised, you know, because my dad doesn't fly, you know, and that was like, I don't know, maybe the second time I'd ever flown in my life, and he says, "Oh, we're gonna go," and I'm like, "Yeah, okay," you know, and it was like I said, it was. Did we fly to Long Beach? <laughs> you know what? I I can't remember that. I wouldn't doubt it. I don't remember yeah. going to LAX, but I just thought it was odd because, like I said, you and Greg were so you know little guys, you know, and I'm thinking. You know, like you said, you guys were kind of somewhat sheltered by your mom, which, you know, you, you can take that as good in some respects and bad, but it was kind of surprising. We're going to go to this hot rod deal, and they're shipping you guys off with your dad, which was cool, but it just, yeah, you know. Yeah, we. I mean, I don't. I didn't make too many trips with my dad. I mean, we, me and Greg by ourselves. We went mm-hmm. to go see my grandma a lot, you know, in Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we'd drive. Sometimes we would fly. Um, yeah, but this was a hot rod deal. This wasn't going to go visit family. That's a little no, different. No, no. Um, but we usually did a lot of stuff. That stuff as as a family. And I went with my dad a, a few mm-hmm. times um, over the years to different car shows as I got older. You know, we went to England. That was kind of cool. We went as a family trip when they brought uh, what car did we bring over there? The Musclemans, maybe Roadster, yeah, or was it the Vern Luce Coupe? Might we, have we, been Vern's deal. I mean, I remember you. We got invited to go to an England there. deal, and we we made some lifelong friends from that trip. But I remember being very young going to that trip. That was cool, but we many times when my dad had that uh, the silver car hauler. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 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 Before it burnt down, we we made several trips to Texas. God, I forgot about that. And truck. I just remember just it was a oh, the long drive. Oh yeah, long drive. But um, yeah, no, I mean some good times. I mean, it seemed because <coughs> the transition from hobby to business didn't happen for our for our dads until. Maybe the, earth, I mean eighty. No, 80? my my dad, right? Because my what, dad I mean, was a carpenter by trade. My my and um, and my dad, like your dad, you know, worked on cars in the garage at night. You know, did other his stuff and other people's stuff. I mean, there was always something in the backyard in the garage, and there was always cars and bodies laying in the backyard. And um, about. I'd have to say about 70. My youngest brother was born in 74, and I think my dad was still working then. Are we the same? Gary and I are the same age? No, no, no. That's oh, Eddie. your youngest brother. Yeah, Eddie. Gary's, oh, Eddie. Yeah, how old is Gary? He's two years older than me, right? Gary's born. It was born in 70. So 74 years older. So Eddie, Eddie, and then Eddie, Eddie was born in uh, uh, December 74. 74. And uh, I think my dad was still doing carpentry work on and off. And then... Um, he when Davis moved from his shop down in off of the ninety one freeway in uh, Norwalk Boulevard. I don't know if that's Norwalk or Artesia Cerritos. It's right on. I mean, it's. I think it's kind of one of them deals. You stand on one corner and you're in a different town. You yeah. Know? But that was the last building that he had when him and Butera were over there, and off of Park Street. And when Davis moved down uh, to his place he had in Huntington Beach behind the Golden Bear up by the pier. My dad moved into that shop, and that was, I want to say, 75, 76. And by then, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't, you know, um, that's what he was doing. Doing carpentry? Yeah, he wasn't doing carpentry. Carpentry? Carpentry. Wood butcher is what he calls it. Is that it? Yeah. Both him and my grandfather were both um, journeyman wood butchers. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, because my dad really didn't make the jump until like about 78. Yeah. Right in there, seven, 77, 78. Yeah, and your dad was still working at Disneyland when my dad had moved 
Yeah. He, he kind of pushed it. He he went for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And then I think Bob Bowder uh, would, when we interviewed one time, he said, you know, he was like, come on, boy, when are you going to, you can't do both. You know, yeah. if, if you really want to do the car thing, you just got to kind of jump and do the car mm-hmm. thing. It's tough, right? I mean, you got a full-time job and you're building cars for customers. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of difficult at times. Um, I'd much rather do the car thing, but you know, it's pretty easy too. You go to work and the hardest thing I have to do basically I tell people is, is, is get my ass out of bed and drive down to the Harbor. Um, I hate politics and the longer I've been there, they got more fucking managers that, you know, they got more managers than they fucking need. And they all, they all got an issue because we make more money than them. But the bottom line is we're all beat up and, you know, bodies aching and can't hardly move and shit. And, you know, they don't see that, but I'm to a point where I've been there so long that I can't quit because it had fucked my retirement up. Yeah. So are you, uh, is it, Teamster or longshoreman? No, I'm no, no. What are um, you? I'm a machinist. As I tell people, I fix what the longshoremen fuck up because <laughs> I do plenty of that. <laughs> but I belong to the machinist union, which I think your dad did when he belonged when he worked at Disneyland. I think just a different local, but yeah. But yeah, I'm just you know I'm on that edge where I can't leave. Yeah, and I got to make it happen, and um, and it's it's soon I'll, I'll do it, and um, but yeah, it's in it, but then it's like you know you got. I have good medical and in today's world, you know, like when I grew up, we didn't have insurance. I mean, if I had to go to the doctor, my dad, my stepmom would take me to the doctor, you know, you know, cost 20 bucks or 20. It wasn't shit. It wasn't like today you go to the fucking doctors and it costs you, you know, hundred dollars before you get out if you don't have any insurance, you know? So that's another big thing. Then you got to, you got to start looking into, you know, Hey, you got to buy insurance. And then as we all know, the older you get, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you know, you don't need insurance. You need insurance for your, if you're having children, you know. But then when you start getting older, then it's like, oh, fuck, I got this. I never wore glasses. Now I got to have, you know, you got to go get glasses. And even though I got insurance, every time I go, it's about 300 bucks for a pair of fucking glasses so you can see, you know. Yeah. You know, and then you got just the other normal stuff, you know. Um, if you become, like like me, I'm a, have become a diabetic, you know. And... So you got to, they want to check you up for different things like that. But that, a lot of that too, you just, if you start eating better, as you well know, it, it helps. Oh, absolutely. That. That's, that's a huge thing. And I yeah. mean, we, you know, I watched my dad struggle with the diabetes thing and it's just like, I try to balance my life. You know, I could yeah. sit here and, 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 uh, you know, I want to enjoy it all. I want to, oh, I want to yeah. have successful business. I want to pay my bills. Uh, you know, I want to put some money away. I want to, uh, I want to spend time with my kids. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I'm also focused on myself. I do a lot of biking, yeah. you know, and I'm watching my diet go, you know, I think the go worst, the right way. I think the worst part about it is, is you, like me, have been around this stuff since we were, you know, spit out of the womb, per se, you know. And everything you do has a double-edged sword. Yep. Um, I read something one time where they said the American dream was the house with the white picket fence, the 2.5 children, the two cars in the driveway. And I remember telling my, a customer, my dad's one day, I said, you know what? That is so fucking overrated. It's not even funny. It may be for some people, but you know, I think it just depends on who you are. Um, the hardest thing for me is because you figure 
from the time I was 12 years old on, I went to the shop every summer vacation, every weekend, spring break, Christmas vacation. It was just a fucking grunt mule. I mean, whatever shit job needed to be done, I had to do it, you know. And and when you're a kid and you're growing up, you're kind of like, you know, you kind of resent it. But as you get older, you understand why. Um, I understand why my dad did it. Like I said, we lived in Hawaiian Gardens and was predominantly Hispanic, you know, and all the gangs and all the nonsense, you know, and then he could kind of keep an eye on us. But I also learned to trade, which was a good thing. And, um, but it's, um, how do I say this? Uh, but it's like, so like every summer, like when we go to the street rod nationals from the time I was 14, I got thrown in the back of the truck with whomever was taking the truck back there. And my dad and my stepmom would fly back there. You know, so I was gone for 10 days or two yeah. weeks, you know, on the road. So yeah, if I could get to go to the street, set the shit up, get to the street rod nationals, you know, and it's, I mean, that was our vacation. We didn't have a regular vacation, like a family vacation, but that was, you know, I mean, and that was cool. Well, then when you get older and then now you go, like I go out into the real world and get a real job, you know, it's like, Come, uh, come, um, summertime, man, you start fucking jonesing like a dope fiend. You know, it's like, I can't go do this because I got to go. I get vacation time, but I get so much, you know. Yeah. And then my ex wife really wasn't into the car thing. You know, I mean, I did it a lot and I did a lot of things all by myself, you know, um, when that puts a strain on your relationship too. But it's just like, it's like I tell people, it's, it's just like being a fucking dope fiend, you know? Yeah. The only difference is you're not slamming shit in your arms, but you're like, oh, fuck, I gotta go. I gotta go to this fucking dealer. <laughs> oh, I got some money in my pocket. Fuck, there's an early Ford part I can buy or some Halibrands or something stupid, you know? And that's well, what you do. It was, but it's, it's you know, you take an example. Um, we live right in the backyard of it, but uh, a destination spot, which it, I know it, we've commented on the fact that it's gone down, but the L.A. Roadster Show. Yeah. Father's Day weekend for me, I mean, even after my dad passed away, it was kind of like, that's what you did. Yes. And, and it, it was just like, people understand that, like, people come in from all around the world Correct. to go to that show, and primarily for the swap meet. Yeah. The swap meet and is... It's a hangout. It's, 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 it's where, I mean, if you want to go, people have learned, grab all your junk or whatever you got mm -hmm. and go get a spot. Cause that you get early access to it, and the people camp—they were camping out and yeah, hanging yeah. out. You guys still go, right? Yeah, we used to. We Your used, dad used to barbecue, and I mean, it was like a. We used to go like everybody else. I mean, I could, just like you said. I mean, that was Father's Day for us. Oh, that's that was, what we did. We we'd have you know when they had no the, question. There wasn't even a question about little, what you were going to do for yeah, Father's Day. Yeah, we had Day. the little booths. We you know, we had a booth and shit inside, and then when we got the black trailer, you know, then we started having the. The corner deal with it. your dad ended up with it after us, and then Brizio ended up. We'd have the truck, the bring the dually, the trailer, set the awning out, and all that shit. And you know, we'd have a couple cars we're working on. And as you say, you wouldn't have the barbecue or whatever. Then when all that deal kind of got sideways, we just went out in the swap meet. And the thing is, I would never go to the manufacturer's area after we quit doing that because and the only time I went over was somebody I needed to see. Yeah, anybody I needed to see was in the swap meet, or they come and find us. Oh, absolutely. As you say, there's people coming from the back east, from other countries. And you're there all weekend, yeah, too. Yeah, and, you're, you know, your friends would come, and they'd come, and it was just a big deal. Everybody could kind of hang out, you know. When you throw some trash out there, and if, yeah, if you sell some stuff, cool. If not, it's not a big deal. And, like, the I think the last year that we actually had the trailer on the manufacturer side, you know, I took, like, a couple weeks vacation. That's when I was building my white 57 Ford wagon and you know fucking went out to my dad's and stayed for two weeks throwing that thing together so we can take it out there you know and and then a few years later 
when we were out in the back, I did the same thing when I was doing my green pickup. I took two weeks vacation. I went out, walked off my back porch, out into my garage and worked on that thing. And, you know, to take it out there, it was half done. You know, no windows in the doors, you know, the floor, no bed flooring and shit. But I went out there, you know. Um, but that's what we did. Yeah, that was. And we still do it. My, my bro- now it's a little downside. It's, it's my it's, brother and I primarily. And my dad comes out, you know, and we do the same thing. We get some spots, throw some trash out there and just kind of hang out. Yeah, it's definitely a different. It's a different show, and I think part of it because the people are passing on. That's part of it. The crowd's getting older, and then I mean, you know, these shows they got to adjust with the times too, man. They really, really. Well, do. I think a lot of the problem with the Roadster show is, and and this year the Roadsters have taken it back over, and they're kind of going back the way it was. I think what happened, but is, now they're they're not going to have it on Sunday, right? No, no. John Buck did that last oh, year. Oh, John Buck did that last year. The okay. LA Roadster has taken it back over. It's a Saturday and Sunday show again. And there's no buildings. And that was a problem. It was all stretched out. And and it anybody takes that's, ten minutes to walk from the buildings to the swap meet. To the swap meet right And now. anybody that's been to Pomona in June knows it's hot. It is what it is. Unless <laughs> unless we true. get like the last couple of years we had over you know, it was overcast skies and it was pretty nice. But what they've done from what I've been told is they eliminated all those buildings. Because people used to park in the back by the drag strip and you'd walk through the swap meet to get to the where the roadsters are and the people that were the vendors and whatnot. So now they've kind of pulled it all. And, and the reason they changed it to go to the buildings is because all the little um, cabana things or whatever they were were the that the fairgrounds had where people rented all their spots. Before, it's not They mowed all that shit it's, down. Yeah. So now, from what I gather, there's no more buildings. So, um, it's back into the same area that it was when they had the cabanas, you know. I've heard a couple of vendors have whined about awnings and the LA Roadsters are providing awnings from is what I've been told. Um, but it's all going to be condensed back like it used to be, you know, oh, and it's good. going I'm... back to a Saturday, Sunday show. And um, the only thing I can say that I saw personally that Buck did that was worth a shit is the swap meet. Now you can buy your spots ahead of time because it was a circus. You'd get out there Wednesday or Thursday night. My brother'd have to go on Wednesday or Thursday Go over there, get in line, leave his truck, put two cones out with some caution tape, have somebody come and pick him up. You have to go back the next day, you know. And then on and then the day that would come to buy spots, we'd come in and he'd move his truck so we can slide in. I mean, and when we had my dad's dually in the trailer, we needed X amount of spots in a row to set that thing up, you know. And it was just a fucking joke, you know. Each year it got worse and worse and worse, you know. Well, there, there's also a lot going on, too. There's also a lot that goes on the same day that competes with the L.A. Roadster show. Uh, I think there's some other things, but you know what? I mean, I know. I mean, there's little shows. Like, you, you look at the Brea Car Show. I don't right? do I don't do any I, of them. them no, that's, but that's what I'm saying. There's a lot shows. of those little shows yeah. that are grabbing 200 cars, 300 cars, yeah. and they're nice shows. Yeah. They're, they're nicer than going to Pomona. To take your family. Yeah. Well, but, you know, see, I don't like going to them kind of shows where the cities put them on because I, I call those shows for the general population. That's the people that aren't car people. No, and they're the fucking idiots that bring their bicycles and their dogs and their kids with strollers and the kids. I went to, I went to one up in uh, um, Monrovia car show when I had my green truck, you know, and the fucking whole car truck was color sand and rubbed. And you got some guy and it's, I mean, I'll give the dad credit, you know, there's a little kid, a fucker gets up and starts standing on the running boards, you know, mm-hmm. and then the old man actually grabbed the kid and yanked him off. But I remember going to um, Austin, Texas, and some guy was doing it, and his kid jumped up on the running boards, and I looked at the kid's old man, I go, hey, what, what's it do with your kid? Well, you know, I go, you want to pay to fix them and repaint them? 
Well, it's in a public parking spot. I go, I don't give a fuck. It's not for him to climb over like a jungle gym. But that's the thing you get with those kind of no, shows. That's do. why I don't. I refuse to go to them. No, I get it. I get. It. They have a good show here at the Orange Circle, but I, I get it. It's, it's you. You have to be the policeman. They're not. They're not car oriented. They're not. They're, people. they're not. They have no idea or no concept how much money and yeah. time and effort you got in this. They're show. enjoyable to go as a spectator, but if you're bringing your yeah. car, it could be stressful. I get yeah. it. You know, but I mean. Um, but I mean, you know, growing up, it, we learned. I learned early, early on. You don't stand on running boards, you don't touch the cars. Just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. We learned how to shut the doors properly, not slam them. You know, to leave. Don't leave your fingerprints all over. Don't don't shut it by the window. You know, we learned all that stuff. But I don't know. I you know I've talked about it a few times before on the show. But I, I think growing up, I mean, uh, it was weird because I. My dad was my dad, you know, and I thought everybody had a Bridgeport mill in the corner. Mm-hmm. I mean, going over to John's house, going to your guys' place, you know, everybody had machinery in their We garage. never had, you know what, my old I man mean, never had a mill, or it's funny, as you said, yeah, your dad had but the I mean, mills. And, I mean, and we need, like a welder, with, I mean, just. But we all had, but we had, my yeah. dad had, I mean, he had, uh, I don't think he got, I'll tell you when he got his mill. We did some stuff for Butera, for Buick, and I don't remember what it was, but. We ended up with John's tree mill and his lathe, and my dad still has those. Really? Yeah. That's kind of That's cool. what my dad finally first got. And that's when we were in Hawaiian Gardens, but we never had any equipment. Like he had, when my dad started over there in Artesia, he had, it was funny, he had a, when he took over, you know, Davis's old building, he had a Heliarch machine that he brought from home. And a, at that time, there was people who go around with pickup trucks and they have machinery in the back for sale. You know, my dad bought a drill, a Delta drill press. He bought some kind of a combination disc sander, belt sander thing. And he bought, which not a lot of people had, he actually bought a flame cutter, Victor flame cutter, made all the table and stuff. And that was one thing that was a little more unique about my dad than other people is he made all his own shit. He didn't go to like, you know, you had Ed Moss at TCI started out over in Norwalk. And he had Pete and Jacob in Temple City. You had Deuce Roy over there in Santa Ana. You know, and they all started out about the same time, the mid-70s. And the one prior to that was making stuff was um, Kirby up in Azusa, Challenger. And he was more kind of like drag race stuff. And that's kind of how my dad's stuff was. You know, he the tube axles, he'd go and have them, you know, bent up in H&L. They were chromoly tubing, you know, and they machi- have to take them to a buddy who's at a machine shop. with then fish mouth the end to put the kingpin bosses in. And everything else was flame cut and... You know, chromoly tubing with weld bungs that goes in there for Himes or Clevises, you know. So he was a little different than everybody else. So that's how the stuff was done. I mean, I still remember prior to, you know, now you can buy, Christ, you can buy drop spindles. You can buy A-arms, disc brake kits for almost no, you anything. Name you name it. Back in the day, you were taking an early Ford spindle and they cut the snout off of it. And they took another spindle off of either like a Torino or a Mustang or a Camaro or something. And they machined them and grafted them all together and welded them all together. And that's how you got disc brakes on your cars in the old days. You know, wow. this is back in the early mid-70s. This is prior to, you know, Superbell. You know, then when Superbell came out with that Mustang kit, you know, um, they made the hub and the caliper bracket. And then you use, you know, Mustang, like, a, I don't know, 69 to 73 Mustang you know, caliper. And you actually use the rotor, you know. That was a big deal. And prior to that, um, I think Pete and Jake used to have a little... Um, they sold you, a, I want to say it was just like some bearing spacers or something. and had a bracket to 
a, a pattern to cut a little bracket out and you used a Volvo rotor and I think it was a Volvo caliper or something, you know. Really? That was that's <laughs> what you got for disc brakes in the old days, man. The early uh stages of aftermarket products oh, yeah. right there. Yeah, I mean I was I was kind of feeling Steve in today we we're, you know, uh, before you came over we we're just talking and um just kind of like you know, people were making wheels Right. I mean, obviously before my dad came along or John came along, but, you know, and John started doing his own machining on it. But as far as taking it to, I mean, my dad really brought the first made to order wheel program out there. Here's here's what I remember. The first set of billet wheels that I recall or remember are the ones that John made for his three window. He made the centers and it had BBS halves. And I know this because my dad ended up buying the car from him. And we did a bunch of stuff on it. And it was funny because the halves bolted together differently on the rear than they did on the front. And that was just, anybody that knows LJ, that was fucking typical John. I mean, just atypical to the max. Then the next set I remember was the ones on Jamie's Roadster. And I don't know. There I, was originally, I think, three sets. Well, I remember the, the I Jamie's they're... Roadster. And I don't know if John helped your dad do something with the centers. or I think John had something to do with it. But then was Jamie's car... Then Murray's car, you know, I know that. And then I know, like, some of the cars your dad would do, you know, some of the, you know, customers' cars. Ray Johnson's. You know, well, Ray Johnson's car had center lines on it. The yeah, they sedan, were modified the, center yeah. lines. And, but that's what everybody was doing because the yeah. first real knockoffs they were using were those Champ 500s, which was an IndyCar yeah. wheel. And everybody ran those, and then your dad made And then you're right. Then your dad was the first guy to actually mass produce somewhere you know hey you can call and i mean the the nuts and the adapters were all you know sander engineering yep. stuff you know and um and i remember they were they were expensive oh they were they you were know? like i mean i think back then i think you're talking 2503 grand yeah, or something I think, I think that's what they were you know um and then but, you started making them and you know then they were three piece originally and then eventually they started making them where they're just a two piece you know now do you know how uh my dad and your dad met I have an early picture, and it, it was—it's a cool picture. I think you've seen it. I, um, it was my dad, your dad, Bowder, uh, far out. Oh yeah, out that there. was. And the, then there's some other guy in there that—that's John Conk. John Conk. Okay, that's, that's at the early times picnic. That was after they had met. You know, I don't know. I mean, I was—I was thinking about this. I got John's original white roadster in my shop right now, putting the rear suspension back. To the way he had it, um, and who, who owns that now? The uh, Carpo does. Oh, okay. Carpo brought it to me um, because when John had originally sold, I don't know if he sold it to your dad or Jamie, whoever, but Jamie ended up with it. And when they redid it, they took the Chrysler out, put a small block Chevy in it, and they took the long four bars off the back, which you know, or to say have lack of better terms, are fucking ugly. They're just too damn long, you know. Um, and that's not knocking John because him and I go way back. I mean, my, my dad called him my other dad. That's how tight him he was to me, you know. And I learned a lot of stuff from him. But they put a triangulated four bar on it, and they got painted maroon. And, um, you know, Jamie had it for a while or whatever. And then it got sold or whatever, and it got painted back white. And then it went back to Oklahoma, I guess, and that's the guy that Carpo bought it from. Carpo had it for he's had it for several years. Well, they they, uh, 
they had it out at the LA Roaster Show like four four years ago, five years ago. Yeah, he's he's had it out. It's been, um, but I don't think he. What's I can't think of the guy's name that owned it. Oklahoma. Well, that guy brought it out here. Yeah, just before he sold it. Yeah, you're right. The guy from Oklahoma brought it he out. He brought here, it out there because and it was parked. And I want to say John's aluminum car. Chris had brought it Chris out. Chris had brought it, it there, and, it was, they, it. and they were parked next to each other. And I want to say I got Corno's, a picture of it. Corno's car might have been parked there too, if not. But I know Comus's tub was parked there with him too. But I think Corno's roadster was there too. Okay. So anyway, I got it. You know, sign or um, Carpo sent it to another guy to redo it. Yeah, and it was fucked. And I basically cut it all off and threw it in the trash because he didn't do what Carpo wanted. Carpo wanted it exactly like John had, and he has all the photos. You know, he brought literature. But what I'm point I'm getting at, what's funny about it is some of the stuff Carpo brought me was of Corno's car. And I never realized, John built three different Model A roasters. There's his white one, then there was Corno's car, and then later on he did the silver car. You know, that car was done around... Um, 80 81 82 and the white car was done right after his t like 74 75 but i didn't realize how much different corno's car was from the white car the white car had original 32 rails and corno's car had rails that john had made up well i remember as a kid my dad had a set of those rails laid on the side of the house and i'll almost bet you dollars of donuts those are the same rails that your dad used under the silver car because mm. they're all made the same and tapered and then and, and and then the front axle, I think, is one of the ones that my dad used to make that's under the silver bullet. So I think that would have been about the time they probably bet. Plus, back then, you know, everything was really, as you say, everybody was close. It was a close-knit group. Everybody knew everybody. I don't care, you know, if you lived here, if you lived up in the valley. Everybody knew who everybody was. Yeah, It's a lot different than it is today. It was way – it wasn't like people were – just because like your dad and my dad built cars, it wasn't like they were competitors, you know, they were all, they were all real tight. It isn't like it is today, you know, where they're, you know, people are cutting each other's throats and shit. Well, it's, it's huge business. Everyone's yeah. got a hot rod shop. I mean, back then most people were doing this out of their garage and Correct. then it moved to more legitimate business. Um, you know, which going and then going into the eighties then you had a, a decent amount of people, mm-hmm. but still, still you could count them on both hands Correct. in this, in this area who was influential and in building cars, you know, because it, there's a separation there too of also there's the race car guys and then Correct. there's the hot rod guys, Correct. you know, um, and not, not saying they're exclusive, you know, but I mean, uh, well, they, they are and they're not. I mean, most of the people my dad ran with were drag racers. I mean, Butera was a drag car guy. And my dad actually met Butera through Gene Beaver, who was a, um, him and, and the Condit brothers. They had that L.A. Hooker funny car. And I think my dad met um, Gene Beaver through Richard Cron- Conklin and Steve Pluger. Well, they had SNR race cars over there in Bellflower. You know, they built funny cars, you know. So, um so most of the so most of the stuff my dad did was more uh kind of loosely based off drag race stuff not so where you know like today the street rod or whatever you want to call it industry you know okay we make these four bars you go to tci or pete and jake or whomever you know well, they, they make four bars and all that shit you know i mean they were the guys making their own stuff because Correct. they what there was there was no uh drag race mail order catalog no or, i mean there was probably some small parts of there stuff, was there's pe- like you 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 needed you you built you had to build it yeah i mean there was people like 
like Deuce Roy, he had SPE originally. Well, he's the one that made, like I was telling you earlier, my dad would make all the hairpins with a chromoly tubing with all the machine. You know, they made all the machine bungs, and they were machined down, so they were threaded for like a hind joint or a clevis, and then it slipped into a specific wall thickness of tubing, you know, and there was, that's kind of, you know, there's some, a few tabs that were, you know, stamped and folded, you know, um, you know, and, and then even like when Pete and Jake started, you know, they flame cut everything and that's what my dad did. And, uh, and then as time progressed, you know, they found other ways, you know, they were stamping and folding the parts, which was cheaper and easier to manufacture than, you know, flame cut. Then you got to go deburr them and drill the holes and all that. Cause now, you, and now it goes towards laser cutting. Oh, a water, water jet. jet and, yeah. Where yeah. all they need is a drawing, you know, and they just put it in the computer and pfft, it makes it happen. Then you, you tumble know. it and it's yeah. done, you know? Yeah. That's come a long way. I mean, we've watched it, you know? I mean, I remember. Oh, it's way different. It, it's, uh, I, I mean, I watched my dad work the Bridgeport and in the conventional, you know, mill, uh, the conventional lathe mm-hmm. uh, and just machine parts. And, you know, I remember when, uh, when I was in, I was Indian Guides or Cub Scouts or something. The Pinewood Derby. Mm-hmm. The meeting was always, the, 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 the car building meeting was always at our house. You know, when the drill press drilling sure. it out, and my dad would get a little fancy in it. You know, little put little pockets to put all the little BBs and the weights right, and yeah. stuff in there. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, it, it was it was uh, in, those are interesting times, and it's like a lot of times we got caught up in the whole whole whirlwind of it, you know. Um, and then you guys moved to from Hawaiian Gardens. We moved to Stanton. Stanton. So because that's that would have been in the. When was it? Because we, were, I think we moved there in '86. I'm trying to, to think. I graduated high school in '85, and I think I know for a fact we were still we were still in Hawaiian Gardens because I remember that's when we were doing the orange race car, the '46, to go to Fremont. And and this is what I'm saying about how my life was different than normal kids. I mean, my dad had me taken out of school for a week or two. To go to the shop and work to get this fucking car done. So we really? Free. Oh yeah. <laughs> when you were in high school? Yeah, yeah. Fuck. I sent my stepmom up there and said we're taking my school for a week, you know. And <laughs> yeah. I went to the shop, you know, and we just we worked on that deal. And I'm trying to think if you guys moved to Monroe in '86, then maybe about either that year or '87 is when we moved around the corner. Just um, the Stand Industrial. On the Stand Industrial, yeah. The the landlord, the uh, people had sold the building my dad was in, and the guy that bought the complex wanted my dad's particular units for this um i don't know some injection molding machines or something so we had to move and then well, for whatever reason that's where my dad found it, and it was yeah it was on sand dust it was just other side of the railroad tracks from uh, it actually was our street which was a dead-end street yep the railroad tracks and, and it, it kind of wasn't even really a street, right? It was kind of like a, it was a well, complex that you turned into. There was, well, it was a street, but there were all different. There was different complexes on different bit, sets of buildings. Not one person owned them all. But yeah, you would think, like you said, it's like, but it, it was a street name. I mean, yeah. so I mean, it's like behind my shop. It's the back of the right in between the so in and in between your uh, your guys' shop and the hot rod shop in Monroe was the methadone clinic next to the corner pocket. I don't remember the methadone, but I remember yeah, the corner the, pocket. That, it's still there. Is it, it? It's a methadone clinic, and I remember the, the all. It was you know back then I didn't know what drug addiction was yeah. or anything, but I I was remember like later on like wow there's all kinds of there's guys in business suits there's some homeless looking mm-hmm. people they line up in the morning get their methadone. I still have never been in the corner pocket. No, I never have either. I never went in the corner pocket. Yeah, but like but yeah, it's just right around the corner, you know. 
uh, like I said, there was a street, railroad tracks, and then there was Monroe, and then, you know, you guys are just down there, second or third building on the left side. And that's when some magic started to happen over there, man. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I guess. I remember. Well, you were, see, you were, you were uh, like, you were telling the story. Uh, well, you were telling a bunch of stories earlier, but you, you, you were, uh, you were old enough. See, I was still the, the, hey, be careful what you say in front of the kids, kind of thing. You know, even though uh, I grew up in that lunchroom there, yeah. You know, especially during the summers, you know, mm-hmm. when we we'd go there. But you were old enough to get let in on some of the good jokes, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. That um, that was interesting. I mean, what was your kind of what was your thoughts on it as you saw like the sport truck thing take off, the the billet wheels take off, you know? Well, when the billet wheel thing came out. Um, I mean, it's funny. You look at it today. It was a big deal when it happened. And you look at the wheels that, I mean, look in there, there's Murray's car on the, on the wall there. That's just a simple center, a simple cut. Well, that's primitive compared to what they can do today. Um, I remember going to Butera's shop one time and he had his first Shizuka mill, Shizuka mill, whatever it was there. And he had his laptop plugged into it. And um, because the mill didn't have enough memory to make what he's making. He was making us, this one he was starting to do the bike thing. And he was making a set of triple trees. And this thing was making these pieces. And there again, it was machining out a billet aluminum. And they were all, had soft curves and crowns and shit on them. It's something you would, I mean, today it's no big deal. Yeah. But I remember you looked at this thing and you'd have thought it was a die cast part. Because it had shape to it, yep. So it's it's definitely come by leaps and bounds. Um, yeah, because we what 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 I guess we call three D machining, surface machining, mm-hmm. right? That we were just starting to dabble in that, like in in uh, ninety seven or so, right before Boyd's uh, went under. And I remember now it's like oh yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah, you know, I mean it's still, but you know what? It, like you look at that if you. A lot of the old designs I'm reproducing. People mm-hmm. are requesting those because now you know these trucks, they're, you know, they're cl- classics. Okay, <laughs> they they are, you know. Um, so it's kind of cool. I mean, uh, you know, a good design is a good design, right? I mean, whether it's you know, it, it takes five hours of machine or or fifteen yeah. minutes. You know, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I remember like when I was a kid. I worked for a friend of my dad's, had a machine shop, a regular machine shop. And he said, ah, I was probably 13, 14, working the summers and after school and whatnot. And the big deal when you wanted to make duplicate parts, they had a tracer mill. Yeah, tracer lathes, yeah. A, tra- a tracer mill, you know, and you had like a little sleeve that wanted, you had the part rough cut, put it on the table there, and you had the other part, and you had a little sleeve go around. The guy would have to sit there on a chair and wiggle the, walk, walk the thing around it. And then they'd take the sleeve off of it, you know, and make the final cut. Then when we moved to Hawaiian Gardens, there was a place down the alley from us called NC Engineering. And they used to make a lot of uh, stuff for uh, McDonnell Douglas. And they had these wing strut things. They had some kind of shapes and whatnot. And there again, they had tapes yeah. is what they put in it, you know. Uh, and it would do parts of it. And they'd have to, you know, rough saw cut some of it, put it in, do a little bit of work and some more of this and that, you know. So it's, it's I've seen what it started as. And how it's gone today. And I mean, it's, it's amazing what you can do. I mean, 
I'd go by by Butera's, you know. I remember one time I was over there, and he was that's when he was doing prototype work for Harley, and he says, you know, they he always called me Jr. Um, says, hey Jr., you see this? Yeah, what's that? He goes, what do you think? Oh, it looks pretty good. It was some kind of a license plate light or something to go on the back fender, and he goes, it's fucking junk. Why? What's wrong with it? He goes, it's it's. I mean, and you looked at this part, and it was bitching, but it wouldn't function for what he wanted to do, you know? And he says, that's junk. He says, sometimes you got to do, make a part to get your mind going the right direction. And then he had another piece on the mill that he went back inside and on his computer and did his drawing or whatever. And it was making a different, uh, same type of yeah. thing, but make, so it'd work. But it's just amazing what you could do, you know? Um, well, yeah, that, and, and you got to think back in the day, like, you know, like, talk about all the big wheel companies like american racing and stuff mm -hmm. that all that stuff was all turned on tracer lathes mm -hmm. just it's interesting if you would show somebody now what well, that it was is. all cast it, too it wasn't, a, it wasn't it was cast so it's, it wasn't it's, machined out of a forge it, center or billet center whatever it, it just is, had you know? to be it was, it was pretty precise for the day mm -hmm. i mean you gotta it's 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 a trippy you had a template and then you got this arm that just moves along it and it just profile it's it's it, well i'll tell you i have people still use those today um I'm real queer for mag wheels. I mean, I hate shining them, but anybody will tell you, man, nothing shines like mag. And I had some Halibrands and um, I, for a car I was doing, I had some sixes and tens. Well, Halibrand had, the lips were different. One had a nice, the sixes had a real nice soft curve to them. Yeah. Then the tens had like a flat deal with a little lip, like you could clamp a wheel weight on it. So I had Mike Curtis, you know, I said, hey, I want to, I want to, can you tune these lips up and make them kind of similar, you know? says yeah no problem so anyway as you say about the tracer mill i had him i asked him i go hey how how you know because now he's putting them on a you know a, a piece of pretty yeah. precise equipment and i said how, how nice are those he goes oh man these are he says they're really super really true and i it surprised me because that's a thing that's a sand cast of all things magnesium wheel and as you said they had like a tracer lathe or something that they put yeah. them on you know i mean people so. people still use that stuff i mean it's uh but back then i mean you know, well, that's all they had. It's, it's, take, it's all they had. And that was a big advance. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, before, you know, you had the guy watching the dials, moving it, and, mm -hmm. and it was quite a bit. You know, now you can set up a CNC machine and you run thousands of parts. Oh, you, you can know, make anything. Just, I mean, it, whatever you whatever you can dream up, pretty much you can make now. Butera told me one time the hardest thing to do in making a part is figuring out how to hold the material in the machine yep absolutely and then other than that it's just game on and i remember when he was doing his aluminum car it's so funny he was i mean shit he machined the front axle with the bat wings all out of billet and he made a set of billet spindles and he threw them away because he made another set that had the bracket to mount the caliper the steering arm but he bought this stuff and it looked like sheets of cured bondo and that's basically what it is you know and he says i use it all the time in the uh in the industry. Yeah, like Renwood or something like that. Well, like, I don't know what it's called, but he says they use it like in for, for prototyping, like in Detroit or whatever. So he'd take this shit and drill holes and put dowels and glue it together, you know, and he'd put it in, he'd draw a program, he'd put it in the machine and let it run, and he'd run it real fast. He used to run everything fast, but he'd run it real fast, and if it fucks him up, he'd just mix up some Bondo and smear it on there and let it dry up and go back again, you know? Yeah, yeah. So they because, and you could, you know, instead of ruining a piece of aluminum that's, you know, quite expensive, you're just ruining some shit that you can patch up and just keep plucking away, you know. So, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. It's pretty different, you know. It's way, way different from where it started, as you said. I mean, what was that? When was Murray's car built? Well, that was oh. built before that because that was, I remember that at the house, at the Orange House. 
House on Orange so, Avenue. So yeah, it would have been built in like 83, 84. 84, yeah. Right there. So then, you know, what what did the bill at wheel thing take off? 80, well, no. It well, must have been right after, because we had them on the race car, and that was in 84, 85. Well, the first ads that came out were in the, were right around that time, and there was a Hot Rods by Boyd ad, mm-hmm. and it was, it was like four designs, yep. or five designs in it, mm-hmm. and it was, that's the ads, because uh, it, it didn't become Boyd's wheels until... 86, 87, yeah. right? When it went over uh, to Electric Avenue over there as yeah. a separate entity. Um, but yeah, it just kind of... Yeah, that's the shop kinda, that, that, that Yarmo took off, and, man. And then, you know... That Yarmo and uh, Hagman were out of before it became the machine shop. Yeah, speaking of billet wheels, you roll up with competitor wheels. But, you know, I got to say, at least you're not keeping them clean. I'm waiting on my free set. <laughs> a free set. <laughs> Free set. If your dad was here, he'd give me a free set. Oh, dude, it was classic. I remember your dad hit me up for the longest time because when I, uh, I was working at American Racing, mm-hmm. remember this story? I was at American Racing, and this is this was so classic. There's times in my life where I wish I had a video camera just to document this stuff. But I'm at American Racing, and, and as soon as your dad, every every time I talked to your dad, it was all about hey. Uh, I need some of those American racing beadlock wheels for my dragster. I'm like, dude, those are, you know, I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm like, dude, I just, oh, he was always I, on the fucking boat. I know he, he was, he was, he was trying really hard. And I'm like, so he kept bugging me, bugging me. And I'm like, look, I tried to pitch his deal a couple times over there, but that wasn't my gig. Um, yeah, I wasn't in charge of that. Well, uh, I had a boss, uh, cool guy, uh, named Craig, um, uh, but real like preppy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And he came from Mattel. And uh, I remember at the Del Mar show, and I had you, you brought your truck. Okay. We had your truck in the booth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that, yeah. And you guys roll up, typical, uh, you know, typical uh, car show, Robinson fashion. You guys got the big cooler in the back, and you just set it down. And here we are. And this is, I mean, you know, American Racing got some corporate, you know, we were owned by a parent, you know, a, a private equity firm. And, you know, there was some, uh, there, I think there was maybe some of the executives there, but you guys pulled out the... They slid the, the cooler in the corner and said, hey, if you guys want any beer, go for it. You know, you tell my, my boss at the time that, you know. And uh, uh, your dad goes, hey, I, I need to get these beadlock wheels. And he kept he kept on. I go, oh, hold on. And I said, hey, Craig, I want you to meet uh, Fat Jack. You know, he's a <laughs> real famous hot rod builder. And he wants to talk to you about his dra- drag Trial by fire. Oh, man, I just, I sat back and just your dad got so close to him. And oh yeah, whenever he talked to you, it was in your face. It oh, wasn't, there's he, no personal space. It's like, man, we gotta be right, right nose to nose. Oh shit! And I just, if I had a picture, it was just this juxtaposition that was going on. Right, you got your dad, who's just like, you know, famous in his own little world of hot rodding, and this guy is like preppy Has executive. No just is, is like he was totally cool about it. He was real respectful, and and you know. At the end, your dad didn't get the sponsorship, but it, it was it wasn't the right time or <laughs> right well, person or whatever. But the ironic deal on that is, you know, when we did the first Orange Forty Six, it had your dad's knockoff wheels on it. You know, the regular why don't you call it a five star thing or what a five spoke thing? Yeah. Then when we wadded that thing in a ball, the new car we built. A 46 Ford sedan delivery, which is still out of my dad's. And it was totally different. The original car was, you know, had the main frame rails of a 46 Ford. And then, you know, had all the rest of the shit was handmade, you know, straight axle, nine inch Ford in the back, straight ladder bars, kind of like a late 60s, early 70s gasser when they were doing the transitioning. 
The new car is a full-on tube chassis with a strut front end with, you know, long coilovers in the back. It didn't have the little shorty like the other car, but it still does have that same Boyd five-spoke knockoff wheel on it. And they're actually, both both cars actually are three-piece wheels. Wow. And it still has them. I mean, the car's never been finished, but, you know, and... Um, that was the car he wanted the, the beadlocks for? That was the for. car he wanted the beadlocks for. He wanted the beadlocks for the back and them. That's when they very first came out with that spindle mount five-spoke like they used to have, you know, back in the 70s. Yeah. But now they're made out of aluminum. You know, they're a, I think they're a forging even. Yeah, it was a, the the fronts were like a, what, 15 3? 15 3 and a half. Yeah, I 3 believe. and a half. Yeah, they were all uh, Continental um, Continental Forge, I think, was making the was it Continental Forge or APP, was making the blanks. Mm-hmm. And actually... I think shot Mike shot was actually doing some of the machining, uh, in, you know, up until, you know, whatever, whenever that God, that's a long time ago. How, how long ago was that, that you had that truck that we were at oh. Del Mar? That would have been 2000. That would have been before my dad passed away. So that would have been like 2007. Yeah. It would have been Del Mar 2007. Yeah, it was, it was. Well, when did you guys sell out to American racing? It was two, 2006, but, um, because, because we put that whole deal together at, joe's birthday party up at up at your up at the house your dad had a big birthday party for joe yeah, i was there and, and i remember that's when we that's when we were talking about so, it you were you were looking for for something and i don't know something got brought up about my truck so we ended okay, up using that my was truck two, that was 2006 and so then, it was 2007 and, and, Del yeah and uh yeah i remember because we used your truck um it was used in the ads 37 my 37 yeah. 37 green truck johnny rotten truck you guys ever seen familiar with the old american racing ads we used it in the ads because you had the t70rs is that what we No, I, I when i originally built the truck i had um uh d torque thrust d's and they were actually they were sixes and tens they were actually you off of d's my on 40 there. is that what we put on there well that's the... what i had on it was for my because i took them off my 46 and then later on i got um a bunch of wheels from me and i got some t70s and i they only made them in sevens and eights and i took the eights i bought a set of uh eights and a set of uh 10 inch d wheels and i took them to eric vaughn and he cut them apart and made tens for me and that's what's on the truck today i put them on there eventually but what do we use in the ad the d wheels the d's but what okay. the what the guy did they airbrushed the spokes a little bit lighter than what the color yeah you're on. right uh yeah so that was god that was a long time ago dude that was a long time ago. That's that twelve was a, years ago. That was a cool. That was a cool truck. Definitely cool. We even did a shirt. I think we yeah, did a couple. Did a, did a shirt. Uh, couple shirts with that. There was a shirt. There was the poster deal. Yeah, man. Pam, it was on the pamphlets. There was little handout pamphlets. Yeah, no, that yeah, was, was a lot of stuff. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's uh, it was a cool timing was right. The timing was right. You had it all done, and uh, where's that truck at now? I sold it to uh, Bill McGrath, who owns an early Ford store up in San Dimas. Okay. And um, did he take the Johnny Rotten off no. the door? You know, it's a funny story. Um, I drove the wheels off that thing. I mean, it's been up to Pleasanton two or three times, and Bakersfield. I even I even drove it to uh, Austin, Texas, for the roundup one year. You know, and um, I don't know what it's about it, but man, everything worked on that thing pretty good. You can go down the road, take your hands off the wheel, run. You know, I put a high gear in the back, so I'd run down the freeway. You know, 85, 90 miles an hour. People didn't like if I'd go with a group, I'd have to go in the back because they couldn't keep up with me. You know, they always bitch I was going too fast. But well, yeah, you guys used to load that thing. You go pick your dad up and go to Del Mar, drive or drive wherever. I took my. It's funny. I took my dad. We go to Del Mar. Um, 
I'd taken it to Brizio's shop party a couple times with my dad. And actually on one occasion we took it up there and that's when Coonan shot it for the Rotter's Journal. And it was funny because when the Rotter's Journal issue came out, you opened the first to the second page and there was the ad for the American Racing Deal. And you go in about three quarters of the way through the book and there was the feature on it and my 57 wagon that I had built prior to that. But getting back to the truck, Bill, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I just make sure it had oil and gas in it, and then fuck it, I'd go wherever I wanted to go, and it just like a normal car. I mean, one time my old lady called me, and her her car took a shit, so I had to come home from work at lunch, get it taken back home, and I left her my my daily driver, and fuck, I backed out of the driveway and went back to work, and you know, no big deal through the car <laughs> cover, put in the parking lot, but. If I didn't get rid of it, it was just going to turn into a piece of shit because I just kind of like Bowder does, you know, the Bowders. We just, my dad and I just beat on shit, you know. And my theory is, fuck it, I can fix it if I break it. You know, it's not a big yeah. deal, you know. I, did, I didn't build it to not worry about it getting rock chips or, or something. I mean, I built it to, to use. So we were had our midwinter rod one run one year and we ended up at bill's shop and there, i was out there and there was a really nice restored 40 standard two-door sedan and for some reason i gravitate more towards sedans than coupes and 40 deluxes i hate but a standard i really like so i was asking bill what the deal was on this you know we started talking i was kind of over the trucks i'm thinking eh, this thing i'm just going to turn it's gonna be a hunk of shit it ain't gonna be worth anything so we did a trade i ended up with this sedan and he gave me some money and he I gave him my truck and um, I took it and took him for a ride. And he's kind of dry. I says, dude, I says, this ain't got a flathead like all the rest of the shit boxes you got. You know, you need to kind of pay attention to what you got. It's got a little bit of poop, you know? So he loves the shit out of it. He, uh, I told him, you know, here's a couple guys could rub the shit off the door, side of the doors. And one time his kid, Michael was that we were somewhere. asked my dad, Hey, you think John mind if we leave the, the Johnny rotten cars on the doors? And he says, no, I don't think so. And, He's a fuck it. I don't want to touch it. He loves it. Um, when the weather is good, he'll take it. And then uh, he lives out in the you know Chino Pomona area. And they fuck, they say they see it all really? around town. That's he, cool. I'd, love, I'd like to see that truck again. Yeah, he uh, he. Last time I saw it was um, he had it out for Julian uh, Alvarez's uh, I don't know life celebration, whatever the hell you call them things. I don't know what the proper name is. Memorial. For Memorial thing. Yeah. And uh, and I remember <clears throat> a few years ago. Because it was funny, right when I finished doing that truck, all of a sudden there was a lot of 35, 6, 7 trucks being built. You know, some similar to mine. Um, either they were either built them similar to mine or they were doing them like that Rudy guy did where they just channel the shit out of them and cut the roofs and, you know, got no fenders. Um, and a lot of them were getting done. And, and uh, I remember coming to Father's Day on Sunday. And like I said, on uh, we always stayed in the swap beat. On Sunday, I would go to the other side, and people that were vendors that are friends that are from out of state, you know, like the Brizios, and if somebody was inside, I'd go in, you know, like you guys, you know, hey, come and say hello and whatnot. And I come walking up, and I see this truck from the back, and I'm going, God damn it, some motherfucker copied my pickup. I mean, because I didn't see the sides or anything. I was coming from a distance. I go, yeah, it's almost the same color. got the striping and shit, you know, and big wheels. Oh, fuck, that is my truck, you know? And it was funny because it was on the other side where you're not supposed to have closed cars, just roadsters, but he was parked in front of uh, Looney's little, uh, his little booth, you know? Okay. So uh, so it was kind of funny, you know? It's definitely a different deal. It's cool. It's cool when you do something like that and you sell it, you know, sell it, trade or whatever, it changes hands, but it, they, people still take care of it. It I mean, couldn't have gone to a better guy. I mean, like I said, I just beat the shit out of it. 
this guy here, you know, Bill, he he loves it. He didn't want to change a damn thing on it. And and it went and it went to a good guy, somebody that appreciated it. So that makes you feel kind of good too. Yeah, that's well, um we had a, a trippy thing happen. We had Greg, my brother Greg on the show. Mm-hmm. And we were talking and I asked him what his favorite, you know, back then what was his favorite car that he between you know, him and my dad did together and it was that the 59 two-door wagon. Mhm. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Right. Yeah. Um and so we were talking about that. I get in my car after the show and I'm on my way to go pick up my oldest daughter and then my, an email comes through and this thing, keep in mind this, the episode wouldn't even be put up on the website until the next day. It's an email from the guy that owns the car now. (laughs) How ironic. Yeah. Cause Ron Craft ended up buying it off Mm -hmm. of my dad and my brother. And he ended up putting just some hideous tight flames on it. Yeah. You know, it went all the way back and it was just like, holy shit. So the guy, I get an email from the guy and it just says, listen, I just picked this up. The story I got was it was your dad's, uh, you know, if there's any, and all I could do is just, I, I didn't even read this whole email. I just saw the pictures and I go, shit. I said, you got to call me. Mm-hmm. So I just, I go, look, he goes, Hey, uh, yeah, that's such, such. I go, listen, before you say anything, what made you email me this right now? Like today? Mm-hmm. He's like, why? What's up? I'm, I told him, I told him the story. We just talked about this. Correct. I haven't talked about that car in forever. Yeah. Right. And it was just kind of a trip. So I've been staying in contact with that guy because he wants to put it back close to the way it was. Yeah. It's going to paint it back the boy red. Oh, it's not even, it's been repainted then, huh? Oh, dude, you got, uh, I'll show you pictures here in a little bit. It's just like, you know, the interior was changed a little bit and the wheel, they had different wheels on it. It had like these, uh, I don't know what you call them, but Bud, Budnick wheels or something on there. <laughs> so, yeah, you would know about those. Uh, hey, the um, price was right. Yeah, I bet, right? 17-inch wheels that need polishing, but that's fine. Um, yeah, no, it's kind of a trip. I was like, wow, that is so weird, you know? It's kind of a, it's kind of weird how I, th- those things happen. Yeah. But what was your favorite? What was your favorite car? And it doesn't have to be necessarily one that you, you or your, your dad built. Just any car that that well, when you were younger, you know, when you were just starting to get into this, you know, I mean, obviously you were born into it like me, but there's cars that I remember as a kid, maybe because my dad, I, I was young, and he took me riding the silver bullet, th- sure. those kind of things, you know, or going to a car show uh, in the Vernus Coupe or something like that. Those things always stick in my my mind. But I don't know. I mean, I have kind of a eclectic taste i guess you know um for lack of better terms i like weird shit you know that's not of the norm i mean almost everything that i have is building for myself personally is odd i mean um i've got a 41 mercury four-door sedan that i'm building for myself really with magnesium five-spoke americans i mean of all things and you tell people you know i got this 41 mercury four-door sedan and most of the time they were built into customs either convertibles or coupes you know but They'll look at you like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, because it's you, either you love them or hate them. But I don't know. I Probably the car that I remember the most, if you're talking about when I was a younger kid, would have been um, Hoffman's uh, 28 Roadster that my dad built. And I think mostly because it spent a lot of time at our house. And I'm talking when I was in my early teens or whatnot, you know. Um, and I spent a lot of time in that car with my dad. Um, I spent a lot of time working on the car, you know, and I think that probably is the most so, memories. Something, 
something like that. Yeah, that looks like what it. Uh, I, that's either I can't see from that far away, but it looks like a as a forty-one Mercury. It's either forty-one Ford or forty-one Mercury. Yeah. But, so that's a little outside the oh yeah the norm, but it's the typical deal like what we do. I mean, it's one thing that my dad is primarily known for, and, and kind of me as well, is pretty much everything is stock bodied. Maybe a little bit of gingerbread taken off of it, um, as low as you can make it. You know. Um, yeah, your daily driver truck's pretty low. Yeah, and um, you know. Because you know, I mean, that's that that's one thing that I I mean I appreciate of the generation that I I I watched you know with my dad and growing up and watching you guys it was a static drop yeah I mean airbags weren't even thought of I mean hydraulics were around I right? have but, that truck there is uh, it's got airbags in the back on top of the springs or overloads or helper springs yeah just to help it yeah yeah um, I tell I got a couple guys I work with that got some trucks and they got those. I fucking can't stand 20, 22 inch wheels. I know that's the deal now, but I fucking hate it. Um, hot rods are supposed to have 15 inch wheels on them. You know, my truck, you can't put it. That, now you're showing your age now. Come they on. Got a, my truck's got 17s on it, but if they were a cast wheel, they wouldn't even fit you know, because of the way that this chassis structure from GM is done. But I like that look better, you know? And, um, but anyway, I tell these guys at work, they got these, one guy's got on like a 63 Chevy truck and it's got bags and it's, you know, got some kind of 20 or 22 inch wheels. Another guy's got like a 64 or five. And I tell me, yeah, that's cause you fuckers don't know how to build a lowered car. That's why you got to have all them fucking fag bags, <laughs> you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it does, it's a big industry. It's, it's, I get it. No, but it's, it is. It's cheating to me. It's cheating. I'm, you know, go home and scratch your head and scratch your ass and figure out how to make the shit work. It's kind of like, in the 80s when everybody was pro-streeting everything. I mean, I remember going to York in like 86 or 7 or 8. And anything and everything you could fucking imagine was pro-streeted. And all these guys did, and it was funny, they got the biggest Mickey Thompson sports one they right. made. The, I mean, the widest and tallest one they made. They cut the frame off, you know, just before the kick-up and glued some trash back there. And then they sat and they had a big old tall tire in front and they fucking sat a mile in the They didn't even look good. And then they'd go by what I call trash cans, where they were just those tubs that Alston made. You know, they were aluminum deals you bought and they were flat and had a little hem seam that you put together. And you pop them in and fuck it, you know, you're good to go. It took more, it takes more thought process to take and put a 10-inch wheel and tire and cut the shit up than it yeah. does to do that. And it's just like, I don't get it. It's like, it's not uh, brain surgery. You know, can you read a tape? You know, it ain't yeah, no big I, deal. I, I definitely appreciate, uh, I def definitely appreciate some of the work and, 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 stuff that's going on if some of these bag trucks i do because there's a lot of work being put into mm -hmm. them but my whole thought was it was always like look the what way do you want you want a pickup floor that's flush with the top of the box i mean what the <laughs> fuck is that or look my i grew up with the stance it had in that parking spot going down the highway mm -hmm. and, and you know it was always the same yeah because these trucks they build them just to be slammed on the ground and, and you know and put the rocker on the ground and it's like okay but guess what? When they're all parked next to each other, they all kind of look the same. They just have different paint jobs and different wheels. I remember, That's my opinion. I remember when we did, my dad and I did an episode of Monster Garage. Come on. Yeah. How it, did I not know about this? You didn't know that? No. Dude, I, it's, Dude, I got to... How... What? You got to... I need to... We need to Google that. I need to look at that episode. Anyway... How, how did you get sucked into that deal? We did this thing. They did a so fifty-four. They did a fifty-four you. Chevy uh, Custom, and it was Bill it shake, Hines. Shake, is that the one that shook, shook nuts out of the tree? No, 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 no. <laughs> that was some other hunk of shit. I mean, this was 
There was Bill Hines, Gene Winfield, Norm Gabrowski, and Dick Dean, and my dad and I. Really? Yeah. And I remember... Well, that's quite the that's quite the crew there. And my dad and I did the frame, and it was so funny because this is when I had my white 57. Okay. And they wanted to section it, you know, and stuff, and Tom Taylor did a rendering. You know, it was all a bunch of smoke and mirror bullshit. But anyway... It's weird because they're all these custom guys, and we ain't custom guys, you know. But what people don't understand is kind of like he was talking about the sport truck deal. It, the paths kind of cross a little bit. Or like when he was talking about the drag race guys, the paths do kind of cross a little bit, you know. So anyway, um, they got this front end and had airbags, and they got this airbag deal for the rear. And Jesse's going, yeah, I want it to lay frame, you know. And I go, what the fuck is lay frame? And then I come to find out later on, that's a mini truck term, you know. Go, oh, yeah. lay frame. I go, and I and I told him the same thing. I go, that's because you don't know how to build a fucking chassis. You know, it's like, really? I mean, come on. Yeah. So that's, you know, they, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. I know it's, like I said, I know it's a big industry and it's, there again, people are making money and good for them, you know, um, but it ain't, it's not me. And I just, I don't understand. It's like, it's like the big wheel thing. It's like, what the fuck? I don't yeah, get but it. I, I think though that it's it's different now that the tire selections are there, so you can you can... well the tire selection. The funny thing is, you're right. The tire selection is there for like the 18s, 19s, 20s, 22s, 24s, whatever. 17s, 16s. If I remember when 16s were a big 16, deal. What, what's a 16 inch wheel? Yeah, think yeah, <laughs> but you, you go to buy if you want to do a traditional hot rod with big and little 15s on it. You play hell trying to find. A, a matching set of uh, front and rear tires. You'd be lucky if you're lucky. You can get the same brand, but you're not going to get the same sidewall and tread pattern. It just in the old days, yeah. Everybody used Michelin's, you know. You yeah. can't, but anymore. But, any- I mean, now, I mean, the tire selection is so great that you can, you can, proportionally put the the. You can do twenties on something that you know a few years ago you would have thought. What you personally would have been like, nah, that's got to have seventeens. You know, because it's really about the overall thing. I mean, yeah, I know what you're talking about as far as having little rubber bands and all that stuff, but there's just a lot more tires available mm-hmm. now to get you to the right spot you well, know, or get you close. I was building, it's funny, I was building a 57 Mercury four-door station wagon. This gets back to me and my freakiness. And um, your dad gave me a set of, it's funny, um, a set of uh, cast magnetos. And it's got 17s. And this goes back to when you guys did, remember the red and white 56 Chevy? That was, um, what's the guy from? Junkyard Dog. Yeah. Yeah. They were building that at the time we was doing it. So it's got 17-inch wheels. And at that time, they came out with that first hoop they called the fat lip. Soft lip. Or, or what? Yeah. And what you did, the drop center was small, but. It was in the back. Is it, Yeah. And so you could put a larger diameter center in an actual smaller wheel. But. The tires that are on it, I think the rear tires were, it has like eight and nines or nine and a halfs, whatever the, the hoop is. And I think the fronts were a factory Goodyear off of a Porsche of some sort. And I think the rear tires were off of a Ferrari, you know. But the point I'm getting at, they're 17s, but they got some sidewall, you know. They're not, as you say, these rubber bands. I remember when when uh, Metters did that. 56 Lincoln he had this is you know in the early 90s or whatever and they first come out with the large diamond wheels and had them rubber bands he had a pothole and bent the fucking front wheels you know because there's no people don't get it there's 
you know, the sidewalls got to be made thicker and they got no, no uh, springing in them, you know. Well, and also, too, the tire technology has come a yeah. long way. Like some of these really low profile tires, just the compounds are really nice mm-hmm. and they're soft ride. I still don't like them. Okay. I'm not, I'm not here to convince you. Well, they're rubber band. You, know? you ain't. Well, also, too, the rim shells now are all 6,000 series aluminum where they were 5,000 series yeah. before. So, and not only that, but the, now the soft lip rims also have a soft lip a double, uh, you know, rolled up on the backside. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty strong. Sure. I, you know, we do a lot of wheel repair, and a lot of it's the older rim shells. Yeah. You know, where guys just, I mean, yeah, I used to carry a dead blow hammer in my in my uh, Mitsubishi, <laughs> you know, when I had 16s in, inch on there, because yeah. I'd bend the shit out of it. And then, you know, you lose air, and you go hammer it, and then air it back up. But it's, I don't know. It's interesting. Now, I mean, we're over here welding 28-inch wheels together, and it's just like... Yeah, it's when's uh when's it gonna end? It's cool though. I mean, but I guess a if part of it's making to, tires, I mean, okay. Well, that's the thing is, people call me, hey, can you make a twenty-two by fifteen? Yeah, what tire are you gonna put on there? I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Go find the tire, dude. Correct. You know, yeah. go find the tire, and 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 we can we can we can build it. Um. Yeah. No, it's uh. With with just everything, the SEMA shows us like super. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy to watch where it's all come from. Yeah, you know? I haven't been to the SEMA show in probably. Bring your walking shoes. Twelve or fifteen go. years, and when I went, yeah, it was pretty big then. And I remember when it wasn't a big. I remember now. You when I see pictures, they got cars all out on the outside, cars all on the inside. I remember it was a pretty. Any kind of cars were pretty few and far between, and any of the booths, they didn't have all them outside cars you know they got shit everywhere now yeah it's it's way different then you see on tv they got these sema builds and yeah it's 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 a you know it's crazy because i see i I deal with a lot of the people uh you know and it's kind of turned into a little bit of a circus on some part of it a little bit i mean i mean because you know a velocity has like they have a casting booth there now at the sema show do you want to be a re- uh, uh, you, I don't forget how they pitch it, but they're basically saying, come in and cast uh, for a reality show, TV show. And it's So that's just, how they get all these yo-yos there, huh? Yeah. And, and you know what? There, there's some people that are legit that are getting getting their, getting their credit and doing the right thing, but me, then there's a lot of... Let me tell me tell you something. If you, I'm sure please. you remember this. Tell me. Um, when did your dad get a wire welder? When you guys were... When your dad had the shop at the house on oh, March, I, I, was there yeah. a wire welder there? No. Everybody had Heliarch machines. Yeah, yeah. I remember in the early, I think it was the early 80s, there was a guy that was in Florida. He built tea buckets and also they quit building them and he started this company called Daytona MIG. And they had a full page ad in Street Rotter of all these different MIG welders. And to me, I look at those as, I call NASCAR's taxi cats, taxi cab racing. And they're they're built like Mack trucks, you know, where the way I was raised and the people that I was around was mostly drag racers. That's the people I learned from that I was exposed to by my dad. None of them had, you know, everybody built everything O2 fucking thin and O2 light. That's the mentality they had, you know. Well, nobody, everybody did with a Heliarc or TIG welder is the correct name, you know, Heliarc yeah. or branding. But, you know, nobody had any MIG welders. And all of a sudden they have all these deals and the next thing you know, you got these guys that they go rent a building, they hang a shingle out front and got a MIG welder. Hey, I'm, and then they came up with plasma cutters. Well, that was the next fucking deal, you know? We're fucking chassis builders, you know? It's like, 
I don't have any formal schooling. None of the people that I learn from having formal schooling, but it's all common sense. And you see shit that people do, and it's just like you want to shake your head. I mean, I remember one time Butera told me, he says, yeah, he says, I made this part one time, and uh, somebody copied it. He said, they changed it a little bit. He says, but the problem is they changed it, and it wasn't going to fucking work. You know, they just don't have any... And that's, and that's what I see a lot of nowadays, you know. Oh, I got a wire welder and a plasma cutter, so now I'm a fab guy, you know. Okay. Well, you know, and you know what I've seen, too? I've seen, actually, you know, with... It seemed like the uh, our industry and the hot rod in would be... It's changed a lot. Enthusiasts. Well, it's look at how big SEMA SEMA is and and just the industry is. So before, it was kind of like just a bunch of gearheads. It was like more of like more of like a hobby. It was a hobby, but but on the plus side, there is a lot of like talent that maybe would have, you know. What I'm getting at is is the business is there and the money's there. So there are people in our industry now that we're. They might have been. They might be smart enough where they might have been building rockets or, mm-hmm. or airplanes. They, the, the money's there to where before it was just a hobby. Where it's like, yeah, hot rods are cool, but there ain't no money there. So the guy maybe builds airplanes and, and designs airplanes during the day, and he's working on the cars at night. Yeah, but now it, it's there's a lot of talent mm-hmm. in this industry. You know, there's a lot of people engineering some some nice nice stuff. You know, um, so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it it seems like it's a it's still you gotta you gotta sort through a lot of the you gotta sort through a lot of the uh, the the BS and the circus end of it. You know, it, it's kind of like it just everybody's there is a lot of it that's just people are out to make a buck. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's kind of like the TV show thing when people of all the questions people could ask me. You know, even though the shows some of the shows are like 10, 13 years old. Uh, you know, people just—the one question that they got to—they could ask me anything technical, like about anything. But they ask me, "Is Dwayne really an asshole?" Uh, you know, and depending on the mood I'm in, I mean, I'm typically I just say no. But you know, if some guy. I, I, you Fuck! Can, you, I remember when Dwayne came out here from from Wisconsin. Yep. I mean, you know, that was funny, and that's what's funny. I I did, like I, like I said, I had my kid put the podcast deal on my phone because i tell people i'm computer illiterate you know and yeah and i've listened to a few of them. i listened to the one about with your mom and and your brother and and part of the one with keith and uh and Dwayne. and pretty much what Dwayne said is pretty accurate you know um i remember like i said when he came out here um i remember that s10 truck I remember he brought it over to my dad to have the guy working for my dad put a reverse tailgate handle on it because they didn't have him at the time you know, later on, Belltech or somebody made them, but they handmade one at my dad's. Um, I remember my dad wanted to fucking wring his neck because he didn't pay my dad like he was supposed to, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I remember when he was doing over there when they were doing the trucks for GMC, you know, and he was over there pulling yep. apart and had a chop saw and a wire welder and uh, some old black pipe cut up to make C-sections in the back because the, the funny thing is when all that shit happened, that particular year at SEMA, they had a truck in the GMC truck booth and that your dad had done for Lynn Pugh for the GMC truck center, Valid Painted. We actually lowered it at my dad's and there was no parts available. That year at SEMA, Belltech had their spin, drop spindle that they were coming out with. You know, they had a prototype there and they had some uh, C-sections they made that were supposed to slide in and, you know, bolt in and whatnot. But there was no parts yet, and that was kind of the beginning. I mean, people had 
I guess now they call them square body trucks, you know, the seven, what are they, 72 yeah. to 87. 87s, you know. Yep. In the old days, you know, you just flip the spring, rear end on top of the springs and you, you know, cut the coils and then you just put some spacers. Most people just put some spacers between the upper A-arm, you know. Some people like my dad would narrow the A-arms and box them, you know, so you could set them up and didn't have all the shims and, it, you know, you could still align the damn thing, you know. Uh, but that's all that everybody did. Then, as you say, you know, when they came out, what was it, an 88 truck, you know, then that's when the industry started. And then, you know, then there was, was a Western chassis made spindles. And after, Belltech was the first one, Ewing, and then several other people. And there's a ton of people making stuff, you know. But um, but I remember when Dwayne was doing that. You'd go over there, and that's what he did. And like he said, he was cutting glass, too, first. I mean, it, it was all true shit. Yeah, you no. know. And it's, it's, come a, it's come a long way. I mean, just uh, with... You know, with our TV show when it when it happened, and that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm talking about it now, I just I still remember when my dad got the call from the production company saying we got the green light from Discovery. Mm-hmm. We're going, you know, it's game on. You know, and just to watch things change from that point on, and um, you know, well, people don't re- don't know don't understand or know either when the stuff was being done at the Monroe shop. And then after the what I call the house of cards falling down, you know, the bankruptcy and all that yeah. shit. That's what I was referred to, the house of cards. Then starting up again and being in La Habra, it was two separate, totally different deals. And I'm sure you would agree, you know, the way things were done, the, the cars, it was, it was totally different. Yeah. You know, um, primarily, you know, the Monroe shop was, I, I remember, you know, you primarily had all the Swedes over there. The Swedes, and my dad used to call them because... Yarmo and I don't know. I think Johnny used to. At least wear those clogs. Yeah, that's right. And my dad used to call them wooden shoe wetbacks. <laughs> you know, so uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, it was funny. You know, oh man, but they I, they were them clogs. You know, and it was primarily Swedes over there. You know, that's so. I, that was, I, I. That's funny because those shoes. I always tripped out as a kid because I'd be like. Oh, I'd see Wait him out a second. There. They'd like, be Johnny being the machine shop wearing them fucking things, and then I they were they're fucking wood shoes. They're wood shoes, yeah, with like a leather thing over the front. And you just slipped your foot in. No, it was, yeah, it was a trip. Like I'm like, what? There was like, another suite, but I, I, like I said, it was Johnny always wore them, Yarmo, and there was another suite. I can't remember his name, but used to wear them. But there was three of them that I knew that wore them all the time. You know? Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> no, that that was a good crew, man. You know. That was. I, I'm trying to get. I'm. I'm reaching out to a lot of these guys, trying to trying to get them on. You know, yeah. because they definitely have some. Uh, definitely have some input on there. Because I mean, man, at one point half the crew was Swedes. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I think was, it primarily was until then, like when, you know, Petey went over there and Greg. You know, they came from my dad's and and um, Dennis Cheney. You know, but the majority of them were were Swedes before them. Well, I talked to Greg today, and I'm, hopefully he'll listen to your podcast, and that, that'll, <laughs> you know, like I said, it, it, it you know, uh, he's That'd like, be well, good. let me think about this. It'd be funny if you get him and Petey both. Petey, you'd have to poke him with a prod to get him to yeah. talk. But. No, I mean, everyone's got good stories, and everyone's got their own perspective on things, you know, um, because, I mean, it's just everyone had their own little part to play mm-hmm. in this thing, and and if you it, you know the success wasn't just uh, created wholly by my dad, it was just a whole crew. It's well, a big, it's a big puzzle. Well, the yeah, thing is, is, you need a figurehead. Somebody's got to be the guy up there, and 
and you're only as good as your people that work for you. And you're only as good as your how you pick the people. You if you have good good help that can take um, your thoughts or whatever or what you want to happen, that's that's the the thing. Yeah. Well, for sure, and that's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. I mean, the whole direction, it, everything came from him, and it's just you know, just like look when he passed. I mean, when he passed. Well, when, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, it's it's yeah. You, um, when your dad died, you know, I, the writing was on the wall. I mean, there was you really, you you the figurehead's gone. It's kind of like the truly Nolan. You know, you got the little guy with the top hat with a hammer behind his back you know looking at the uh, at the rat the, the mouse you know yeah, the mouse. well you take that away everybody knows that because of that character yeah. you take that away and what is truly nolan it's gone yeah. it's the same deal with your dad i mean your dad didn't go down there and work it's kind of like my dad my dad hasn't worked in the shop in years you know but you know you get the right crew and the right people and you and what you're you end up eventually what you turn into you turn into a kind of, I guess, for lack of better terms, a formal position. You guide your people. Yeah. And that's what you need to do. You know, they may not have the thought process that you do. And what you need to do is you need to take your people and say, OK, hey, Joe or Mike or whomever, this is what I want you to do and this is how I want you to do it. And if you got a good guy that's that's got some talent, you know, and they can listen and you can explain to them where they understand. I mean, I got one guy that works for me and like I tell him, I says, if you don't understand what I tell you to do, your job is to make me make you understand what I want. Yeah. And that's the key to it right there. So, you know, um, with your dad passing away or whatever, you know, then who's, who's, who's going to step in? I mean, not to knock you or your brother, but I mean, no, it who's, was... who's going to step in? Oh yeah. No. I mean, um, that was his deal. Yeah. That was it, he was it, it, that he, everything came after and because yeah. of because of him and you know like we talked about today like with with uh, your kid um, and just about like having someone work for you I'm fortunate enough that everything I do here or I'm going to tell people to do I've already done correct right and you said the same thing I'm not going to ask somebody to do something I've never done before well that, that's how you learn I mean I have a problem with kids today I, my general things I tell them everybody's they're all fucking junk. They're all been spoiled, you know, and they they want instant gratification. Yeah. I mean, and, and they can. This is one substance. of the worst fucking things they've. Agreed. This is a double-edged sword. It's the best and worst thing. Correct. Yeah. That well, because they see people getting Instagram famous for doing shit. Well, yeah, exactly. But you they know? don't. Not, they don't want to work. Just being a, uh, addicted to the 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 phone. Well, it's not even that. It's like, like I was telling you, you don't you, Steve, you don't really know. Chris has told you a little bit about me or how we grew up and, and we kind of grew up the same, but really 360 degrees different. Would you agree with that? Yeah. You know, well, a, a big yeah, difference. Yeah, yeah. 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 Chris was kind of pussy. Uh, well, <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. It just, <laughs> yeah. Right. But, yeah. But I, when I, my dad, what are you getting at John? My That's dad, so you know, we, I know right? we went to, you know, we had to go, go to, to work, you know, and, and, um, you know, if you fucked up, you got smacked, or you got a shoe shoved up your ass, you know, and we didn't get to come out, you know, and okay, well, fuck, I want to be like, I remember, I remember my dad hired, tried to hire some people out of that Wyo tech. Okay. I had this one kid that came there and wanted to be a, uh, he was a painter's helper. Well, he wanted to fucking come right out and be the shooter. 
You mix the paint and prep everything for me, and I just walk in, put my suit on, and start spraying. You don't start that way. You start at the bottom, you know, if that's what your forte is, but you well, got to start being a helper or whatever and work your way up, you know. But, I mean, we had to sweep floors. If there was greasy parts to clean, guess who got to do it, you know. I mean, I don't think I was – I was probably – 14 before my dad would even let me use a drill press or anything you know no and but also too for when that that develops character it it builds your knowledge base sure um you you learn it from the you know the literal nuts and bolts of it all the way up and you're you're right i mean i remember when i came back to work i came back to work for my dad um in 2000 Mm -hmm. and there was a guy i think he went to chapman i think he went to chapman university right and he was my age, maybe a little younger because he had just graduated. And he, he said to me, he goes, you know what? He goes, I don't know if this is the job for me. He goes, you know, I graduated last year and I want to make, you know, I, I don't know if he, he, he kind of got it beat into his head at Chapman or whatever. But he's like, look. I want a company cell phone, a company car. I want to make. I, I want to make. <laughs> I want to make fifty grand a year. And I, I laughed. I was like, well, okay, that's yeah, whatever. But. You know, I mean, I, I remember before I had a license, my mom driving me, you know, I'd go home, you know, do my homework, supposed to do my homework, probably never did. My mom would drive me at four o'clock to the hot rod shop and then she'd come back and pick me up at nine o'clock and I'd work in the machine shop with all those guys. And, you know, um, I just, I feel like when you're, you, that's the best way to do it. That's the best way to learn the nuts of every little aspect of it, um, and that way, when you get to a point where you have other people working for you, maybe they you know, they can respect you a little bit more because you're just not some guy that's just telling them to do something you've mm. never done. You've done it already, you know. But yeah, I think this the, we got a generation of kids. Oh, there's a big problem. There's a generation of kids uh, that I don't know. There's some good ones. There's some good ones out there. There is, but it's but it's a it's a big problem. Um, and it's and it's I had a I had an old guy that I used. A customer, he's since deceased, uh, that I used to do work on his cars. And old Norm was born in, I think, 1931. And he used to tell me all the time, he says, I feel sorry for this world your kids have to grow up in. Two things he's tell me. That one thing. And the other thing, he says, I don't stand in lines. I stood in line in Uncle Sam's Navy enough. I don't stand in lines for anything. But it's it's very true, you know, this this society or whatever. I mean, you know... Um, your kids or mine aren't going to be able to afford to buy a home here. It's just gotten crazy, you know. Yeah. The wages, you know, everybody wants more money, and which is fine if you work towards that and you have the skills, you know, you should be rewarded. But I just say about this guy at Chapman College, you know, he just fucking steps out of school and he's got, okay, he's got, he's been supposedly taught. He went to college, and that's yeah. nothing, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, he accomplished something. Yeah. But, okay, now what are your practical skills? I worked with a guy down in the harbor when I first went to work down there. He was from Egypt. Very intelligent man. He was a, a professor at a university over there. Very book smart. Practicality, he was fucked. He had 20 thumbs oh, on yeah. two hands. So what do you do? I mean, you can book learn all you want, but... You know what? you got to have the desire, and I, I do miss the work ethic of the older generation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it's just, uh, I mean, there, this, the, the society that we got going on is, you know, there's people being famous for nothing. Yeah. For nothing. Yeah. I mean, 
even even the, the older generation i mean you can consider actors and actresses you know getting being famous for just <laughs> being somebody else you know yeah. i mean there but there's some talent involved there they're 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 uh, offering a service but just because you look cute you take a cute picture on uh, instagram what's that worth yeah. you know are you contributing to society social media yeah i mean it's you know, and there again, and not all social media is bad. It's like anything else. It's got a double-edged sword. It's good. I mean, I was never on Facebook. I give a shit less about it. I finally had my kid. He put me on Instagram. And the, and the whole deal was just so I could, uh, you know, I have a, a bunch of my friends. And they go, hey, you know, you should get on it because there's a lot of car stuff. And there is. There's a lot. You can connect, look at stuff that other people do in other parts of the country if the stuff is interests you or whatever, you know. Um but, you know, I, I don't care. I get a bunch of, you know, you get a bunch of nonsense from people want to talk to you. And it's like they, they have nothing to do with anything yeah. that I'm doing, you know. But no, you it's, can filter it's, through that. It's cool. I mean, you you know, definitely uh, someone like, uh, but then, you know, someone like Far Out Gary, who he jumps in head first on oh, the Instagram fuck, yeah. thing. But As a matter of fact, I we need to get to him, him on the yeah, podcast. I've talked to him about we it. Because, I mean, I think all our listeners would be very entertained. Oh. Um, you know, l- like I said, I think about my, my early years, uh, just, you know, influencers and, and just family friends that have stuck yeah. around and stuck with my, you know, my family and my dad throughout the years, your dad's up there far out, Gary, mm. they got some, cr- I mean, crazy, just, <laughs> just some funny, <laughs> this is a funny shit, man. I still remember, and I, you, I don't think you were there, but it was my dad's 40th birthday it was my dad's 40th birthday and if this is the one i'm thinking i got a story about that okay one. So, i wasn't there but so is that not th- not spare farm banquet that's banquet the hall. one yeah i got so, a story so, about that go ahead so they're, they're opening up gifts opening up gifts and and dude I, yeah I, like do you want me to finish that part of well, it no, i'll tell I'll, I'll tell you so <laughs> so we're we're they're opening up gifts and my mom my mom's my dad's uh sitting there and my mom's opening up the gifts and they unwrap this ceramic frog right which is like this i mean the dick on this thing was bigger than the frog itself right and my mom goes oh my god what, what fat jack what what is this and he said something like, it's your new chair diane like in front of i mean we got i think my grandparents were there <laughs> <laughs> i think you know there was my mom's family was all there and you're as you uh, said and, no and, filter yeah yo dude yeah, your dad just had, does know, not have a filter. He he just would tell it how it was. I mean, I, whether it was me or whatever. I remember. Yeah, he, but you know the funny thing is, though, Chris, your mom isn't too much different than him. She's she's not as I guess crude. Bold, crude yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the, 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 she she does not throw the, the two, profanities yeah, out the there. The two of them used to go toe to toe a lot. Oh, I know, and 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 they were. They did. They definitely. I mean, my dad speaks highly of your mom. I mean, like if we go somewhere, he's always and your mom there again. If I see your mom, say, "Hey, how's your dad doing?" Blah blah blah. You know, whatever. And when the two of them see each other, they chat. And I can remember going over to um, the La Habra shop. You know, after your mom and dad had had divorced, and your mom would be there, and my dad would sit there and he'd chat with her and stuff. You know, so it was. uh, Yeah, it was. uh, You know, I think they. Well, because you know, I think early on when your dad would come around, here's a guy that doesn't. He doesn't care about saying the F word or anything Mm-mm. in front of little kids and, and all this. And that's just the way I grew up. I mean, everybody yeah. was everybody was like that. So I think my mom was kind of like, oh, my gosh, here's 
here's that fat Jack guy, you know? And then, <laughs> so trying to maybe shield us from it. Um, oh, I got another one if you want to talk about stuff like that. In the early days, remember when they first had the Orange County Cruising Association and the big deal was to go to Angelo's up there in Anaheim or whatever. Oh, yeah, on State College? Yeah. Yeah. And there again, your mom and my dad would get into it and just do their verbal, you know, battle, you know. <laughs> and I don't know what happened, but something somehow some got me talking about how big my dad's dick or how small it was or something. <laughs> and your mom said something about being small. So my dad, he always wore 501s and he yeah. never wore any underwear. So he fucking unbuttoned his fucking pants and he's grabbing her fucking hand and pulling it towards his dick <laughs> oh jesus and she just kept pulling back and pulling back and pulling back you know and um she said she looked at your dad oh, boy do something your dad's like hey you got yourself into it you know how he is <laughs> you know but that's the kind of shit he would do and you know but yeah your your dad definitely was was and not trying to character. throw your mom under the bridge or anything like that it no it's just, it just no know. but that just goes to show like okay. <laughs> Dude, it was such a wild bunch of. Yeah. I think maybe my dad was probably the most mellow out of that. Oh group. yeah. Oh, you throw Bowder into the mix too. Oh man. I remember one time I was talking to Bob and I said something about. We were talking about something. This is a long time ago. I goes, yeah, I could have been worse. You could have worked for my dad. He goes, yeah, but it would have been a whole lot more fun. <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. No, that was those were good times. I mean, it was. Uh, you know, like I always joke. I'm like, I realized you know early on what a pussy I was when you know hanging out with the Bowder kids. You know, these guys were jumping motorcycles and yeah. shit. And I'd be like, no, nah, no, well, thanks. I don't really know Bradley because Bradley's, you know, even Danny, Danny, your age. Or no, a little, Danny's a little older than me. Yeah. So Danny's younger than me. Bradley's around Greg's age. Yeah. And I never I remember Bradley when he was just a little guy. Yeah. And I don't really know him. Danny, I know, you know, and and um, but uh, yeah, it's well, we used to go all go out to the desert uh, when we had ATCs mm -hmm. back in the day, you know, with Shaporis's and all them, yeah. you know, and the Bowders. That was good times, man. It's come along. It's come a long way. What do you work? Which what, what are you working on right now? What what? Personally or for a customer? Or? Well, I always look forward to seeing what you got got going on. Um, yeah, I mean, well, well, do you even have time per, for personal right now? Yes and no. I'm, my problem is like I was telling you earlier about being like a dope fiend. You know, anytime I get a little bit of money in my pocket, if I'm working on a project of my own and it gets stalled, well, I'm looking for something else to buy, like a dumbass. Yeah. How many sets of uh, Americans are you sitting on or Halibrands? You don't have to divulge this information if you um, don't want to. One. But, uh, but I know you always one, look. One, two, three. I think I got three sets of Halibrands right now, and I just got rid of. Excuse me. A set of mag five spokes and i've got one two three i think i got three or four pairs of you know later americans um yeah they're cool you know you know i mean yeah and it just you know, right now for myself though like i said because i'm constantly working on stuff for other people on and juggling whatnot but I bought myself right before Christmas a restored, kind of an amateur restoration, 51 Ford two-door sedan because I wanted a shoebox so I could have something to drive. Nice. And, um, you know, I bought some just some stuff to lower it and whatnot. And um, that's what I've been piddling around with so I can start driving it. And then, like, typical deal there again, like a dumbass. I bought another uh, – I had some Americans laying around, like you said, and I had some tires from another project that would work. And 
So I started doing some measuring. I found another, uh, 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 some buddies of mine were doing a 50 coupe for a guy. So I bought the rear end out of it and the stock transmission for spare stuff. So I started, I got a rear end fixture for narrowing rear ends, you know, eight inch, nine inch forwards, 57 uh, Olsen bills, whatnot. So I started doing some measuring around. Well, all the, a lot of the pucks and stuff will work. So I did some measuring, mounted the tires on the wheels, put them on the rear and did some measuring. So I've, I got to narrow the rear end about four inches, so I'm going to narrow a stock 54 rear end to put into this thing so I could put my, put some eight and a half inch Americans into the back. You know, nice. It's a little different. Some original Ds? No, they're actually, when you were, I've had them so long, I got them when you worked at Pro Wheel or whatever it was, or American. They're, American, yeah. They're TTOs. Oh, yeah, the TTO. So I had them. Torque thrust original. They're they're polished front and back, and then the center spokes are Unfortunately, painted. they're probably the Chinese ones. They are. yeah. But I painted the centers kind of a titanium color, and yeah, I'd li- I'd like to see more things come back to America. Yeah, you know, um, I'm doing my part, and I know there's a lot of people building stuff in America. It's just the consumer. Listen up, everybody. Quit being cheap. Be yeah. part of the solution and not part of the problem. You know, it's just like I mean, we get, I get people from time to time that'll, you know. I'll give you an example. Just, uh, I needed a toaster. Went to Target to buy a toaster. Yeah. I bought a toaster for $16. How in the world do you make a toaster? Dude. Put it in a box. And I work down the harbor where they unload the shipping containers. You put it in a container. You ship it over, overseas. Comes over here. Gets unloaded. Goes to a warehouse somewhere to be dispersed somewhere else. And you're making a profit at 16 bucks. It's a piece of shit. Yeah, it's no, all plastic. It's a, it's you know, a throwaway. It's, it's, it's we've a become whole, a throwaway society. It's a, it's a throwaway. It's a, you know, but you know what? There's still other companies that are making quality stuff. You could go buy a toaster and probably spend 100 bucks or more. Oh, I don't yeah, even know. You that, and that toaster will last. Correct. So it's convincing the consumer. It's just about, it's, it's just, uh, you know, I, I got my thoughts on just people just trying to make, make money off of things and, and making stuff the cheapest way possible, you know. I I don't know. I mean, uh, quality costs money. Well, yeah, but it's just uh, you know switching gears a little bit. I just wanted to get get your take on this. It's just uh, in the last last week, I started getting some messages sent to me. Um, you know that B four hundred. That we talked about a little earlier. Yeah, the B four hundred that uh, was my dad was uh, building for Paul Rames. Uh, never got finished completely finished when my dad passed away so that went to poor boy's hot rods right and it never got finished there i think burnt ended up painting it but then gary matranga bought it and he finished it with some other company thr or something like that and they hit me up because jeff hyman did an appraisal on it Mm -hmm. in 2015 and was like, hey, look, he's looking for a certificate and we gave it a certificate and acknowledged that it was it was a project that was was not finished by the time my dad died, but it was 80, 90 for what it was, 90% finished. Um, okay. Gary sold it in 2015 at Barrett Jackson. And, uh, you know, he, he sold it, gave the right description about what happened, the true mm-hmm. story. And then, so fast forward a couple, two, three weeks ago, I get a call from a, a writer that says, Hey, there's a B 400 being sold. It was your dad's car and he, he built it. I go, well, send me some pictures. Let me see what you got. Cause I don't, you know, there's a couple B400s built. He sends it to me. I go, oh, no, here, I sent him the link. I said, that was already sold at your auction. Just use that description. Never heard anything back. Fast forward to last week, I started getting people going, hey, what's this? 
no shit the 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 headline the master's last hot rod and i'm like and you read the description and it just says it's just like this I'm like, wait a second. This guy didn't take anything that, and he took nothing from the previous thing. Because you'd think yeah. that Bear Jackson would type in a VIN number. Oh yeah, that's been sold here two, three times, right? So I, I got Bear Jackson on the phone, and I talk, and they go, oh, well, I don't think we see a problem with it, you know. And I'm just, it's just, I've dealt with this several times. I'm like the policeman on this shit, you know. Kind of um, reminds me of a Red Roadster a few years ago. Yeah, with the Dave Kindig thing. That was a little bit more uh, devious uh, than. Um, this one this one just seems to be disingenuous a little bit because they're just like oh you know i'm like how dumb do you guys look go i sent them the link to the french connection Mm -hmm. that was the the car that we all agreed was the last car Mm -hmm. that was finished when my dad passed away there was tons i mean obviously the the shop had many many builds that kind of got left and they get an acknowledgement but they're not the final car that got built and it's just just for them and like so they changed as of this morning they've taken down the old article with the old headline they have a new hard article on there a new headline mm-hmm. but it just seems like they it's just with with these people it's just uh it just pops up from time to time where they're just trying to make a buck you know they're just trying to use my dad's name to make a buck well yeah that's and that's, draw draw attention that's and then exactly it's exactly like, what it is that's just there again like that red roadster thing i mean i saw pictures of it when it was in the raw it was something similar. I knew it wasn't something that was done at your dad's. No, Dwayne called me when he was there. He goes, hey, look look into this. This thing and goes for sale tomorrow. It's similar, but there again, what people do is they're getting on the bandwagon and trying to, you know, and what they're trying to do is shake every dollar out of it they can. Just be yeah. honest about it and tell the truth. If you're not, If you're not sure, then I'm sure it's pretty easy to get a hold of you and ask you some questions. With the internet and whatnot, it's easy. I was like me. I got a cell phone. That's the only way to get a hold of me. My shop, I don't even have a name out front or anything, but people find me. They know how to get a hold of me. Somebody knows somebody that knows somebody that knows how to get a hold of me. Yeah, and it's I mean, not that difficult. And you know what? That was like on the Kindig deal. I, Because I, 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 I was going to see the French Connection be sold on, on the Saturday anyway. So I was there on the Friday, and I ran into him, and I was like, hey, what's up? Oh, he's hold on. He sat down. He shows me a picture, or he shows me the the. Uh, the photograph of the paper that he got when he bought and he goes look i just got this a week ago and i'm like oh right here where it says built by jerry covington yeah oh i just got it a week ago i said okay you had a week dude like even if you found out like an hour before the auction at least you can get up on stage you go look i just want to clarify something you know no they As people I don't said, give a shit and you're trying to get it ring it out for the last fucking dollar they don't care. Yeah, and and it's like they they, they operate, you know, and it's it's just sucks because you know how long have used car salesmen been, you know, that 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 the cliche of used used salesman. car salesmen, yeah. you know, and these people are are just they're 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 operate in a very gray area. As I said earlier, it used to be a very tight knit group of people. Yeah. Now this hobby industry, whatever you want to call it, has grown by leaps and by bounds. Some of it's good. Some of it's not. This is exactly what we're talking about. And there again, you know, you got people. I mean, the United States is is a big piece of dirt, you know. And there's guys from all over the United States that are building cars. There's some guys, you know, you got Posey's in back east, and he pretty much had the eastern seaboard was his deal for years. Used to have Barry Lobeck, you know, in Ohio. Ohio. He had the whole area, you know. And 
um, you know, and a lot of people out here. And there was people in all various places. And there's more now because it's more popular and that's good and whatever. And everybody has their demograph, you know, or their little area where they got people. And But, you know, whether they're trying to make themselves more famous or infamous or whatever you want to call it, it's like, you know, don't start riding on somebody's coattails with some kind of bullshit. Be honest and truthful. If you don't fucking know, get on the internet. Find out how to get a hold of Dude, somebody that it, knows it, something. It would have taken. Or know, ask somebody that knows. Somebody in this deal. Everybody knows everybody. Well, and what's so dumb is if you just, if you go to Barrett Jackson and you type in B400, the auction from 2015 pops up first. Oh, there you go. And it's just like, I don't know. It, it's almost like. We live in a society where the, where you can t- do an article and then then the cat's out of the bag. Oh, let's change it for you. Well, that's nice, but the cat's out of the bag. There's already bullshit being circulated, pictures circulated that says this was Boyd's last rod. And how many people are gonna listen to, or read that and believe it? You know. And then I'm sitting here, and then these people. Well, we don't see anything wrong with the article and all this stuff. What do you mean you don't see anything? It's totally not con- con- contrary to the the original if description. It's, if but it's not true. It's not true. Well, they have the and they they did correct the the they have the right description uh, when you go to the lot number. But there's an article like a little uh, leader in. It, it, I don't know. It's just I end up being a de, de facto uh, uh, policeman on this stuff, which I'm fine with. You know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but it's got to get old. It does because you know what, and and also like with, with one thing that's cool about Instagram is you can you can uh, you know you you do these hashtags. So I, yeah. a, a boy Coddington, right? Uh, I I follow ha- different hashtags. So by following boy Coddington or Boyd, you know these things pop up where hey, I got this Boyd car for sale. Like I just I sent one to Dwayne. I go Dwayne, what's this? And you know. I end up sending people emails saying, hey, what kind of documentation do you have that this is a Boyd car? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, and I'm I'm very nice about it. It happens a lot, uh, like on eBay, Correct. you know, um, you know, and, and unfortunately we have a rogue uh, family member that it seems like, uh, <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll for a couple hundred bucks, he'll certify your, uh, your, your Chevy as a Boyd built car, which that causes a whole nother pro a whole nother problem. But that's why he wasn't I'm, even around. So how would he even know? He's not. A, no, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He just I, there's been three or four examples in the last few years of cars. He's certified that you you got to tell the people, dude, look, do a Google search on your car and then pull up the images and then look in five minutes. I can figure out the truth. Yeah. In most cases, you can't. You know, and they, 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 a couple of people go, well, no, I got a certificate. It's a Boyd car. No, it's not a Boyd car. And I'm going to put the right information out there, you know? So it's one of those things at Outriders. There was a car that there was like some piece of shit sedan that somebody had and it said Boyd built on this thing. And it was a handwritten thing and, uh, and everyone was trying to figure out whose it was so they could go talk to the guy. But I don't know. The Outriders. Yeah, for those of you guys uh, that don't know, uh, John and his dad are in the Outriders, and pretty cool little car show you guys have every September. Yeah, it's uh, like the second second Sunday in September. Second Sunday in September, but it's a uh, you got to know somebody. Yeah, it's it's that's the crap. That's, that's a shitty part about it is it's pretty hard to get, but it is a pretty good deal. It's a cool deal, and that's you know when I when I think about growing up, that's the kind of car show I remember. 
you know, not there's no vendors there. Mm-mm. It's it's a private deal. It it's in a cool location. You guys have a barbecue, a band, and I don't know how many cars you guys get in there. Yeah, well, there's, you get, there's a lot of cars. You get about, what, 300 cars? Oh, I think more than that. Really? The thing about it is it gets back to the earlier when we were talking about these little city shows and whatnot, you know. Yeah. If you don't know where this is at, you don't belong there. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's all it's, it's car-orientated like, people and their friends. It's like it's kind of top secret, but it's not top secret. Yeah. You know, it's like you got to. I mean, every year, someone hey, you got to take it to the Outriders. Yeah. You got oh, take every it to- year, every year, the last couple of weeks or last week, people are constantly calling me because my dad and and I used to get a lot of tickets, and now it's we don't get as many. So people, hey, got a ticket? Got to <laughs> fat chance, you know? Because it yeah. just don't. I mean, I wish that we could just sell tickets at the venue when you get there but the problem is that's the way you control because we have to see, then you're gonna have the problem with the kids standing on the well, on the running board you're gonna get non-car guys in yeah there. but you can't you've only got so much room for so many cars and we buy you know it's a tri-tip meal and whatnot so we buy all the food and they cook it all there and everything so you you know exactly how much food to buy and you're not gonna run True. out of food and everybody Cause you guys do put on a good spread. You guys usually have like a barbecue tri tip or some shit. Yeah, it is. That's that's exactly what it is. We have a little trailer that's a barbecue. You usually have good bands. Yeah, they usually have a decent band. And you get a tri tip meal. It's tri tip beans, coleslaw, and bread. Um, I don't know. They got beer and wine there. You know, your ticket pays for everything. And then when everybody's eating once, they'll tell you, hey, you can come back through the line for seconds, you know. So nobody go. If you go away, um, you know, hungry, that's your problem have a super raffle, you know, um, for whatever reason, we're lucky to get a lot of good uh, raffle prizes, you know, and, and they have a, oh, yeah. a 50-50 deal, you know. <laughs> I get hit up every year, you know. So. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a great show. Um, I, I, you know, I'd like to, I don't know. Like, you, it, it's it's one of those things. Those are the kind of shows that you kind of appreciate. It makes you appreciate the, the group. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, the, you know, where it's not open to everybody. You yeah. know, it's not the city car show. Yeah, exactly. Well, looking forward to doing more of that, man. Well, I don't know, man. I think we need to wrap it up. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Oh, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. <laughs> we didn't touch a lot of stuff. I know, I know. There's a lot of early day stuff and you know, it's whatever. Le- you know. Leave us with a funny Boyd story. Even if it's the one with the dick on the forehead. No, no, I'm just, no, no. No, <laughs> that was just, no, that's, no, no. Um, tell, tell that one real quick about the. Okay. Um, for those that you were ever at the Monroe shop. And I, I've posted pictures. There's a big uh, a mural because there was the paint shop was in the back and then, the and then the hot rod shop. shop. And in between was a yard. And yeah. then on one wall what was that it was a what, tin th- building that was 30 foot yeah. tall oh, a big tall yeah tin wall yeah my dad had somebody reproduce a painting that uh was done dave bell did dave bell and then he had somebody come in and just re- replicate that on correct on the wall and it had my dad front and center at the top of it correct anyway um there was a guy named dennis cheney we used to call him chumper he was a painter and uh, the guy that he got fired because he spent too much time at the corner pocket. Probably yeah. him and the other, who, there was another old guy. And I think Dallas was working there at the Dallas time. came in like right around. Yeah. Towards the Dallas end of the was there. So anyway, and like Chris said, the corner pocket was a bar at the corner. They used to go there for lunch and have hot dogs and beer. And I think at that time, cause Dennis had worked for my dad and you know, they didn't give, my dad didn't give a shit if they drank during the day or whatever, you know, it was a constant deal for years. Well, 
Dennis and this guy, I think they were drinking. They were working in the paint shop, and they were drinking pretty much all day. They were pretty fucked up. Well, they thought it was funny, and I think Dallas was involved in this too, now that I'm thinking about it. They drew a big old cardboard dick and put it up on the side of the building by your dad's head <laughs> and went back to work. Well, apparently your dad come walking out of the shop with a customer or something. about. And that oh, thing's, I mean, it's 20 oh, feet in the air. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, this dick had a bit 12, 18 inches long, you know. It was fucking huge. He <laughs> <laughs> fucking had a heart bat out of shit fit. That's funny. But probably the funniest thing that, that I can remember with your dad was, uh, this was in the later years, and this gets back to the Outriders picnic. And um, in the later years, you know, your dad was, I guess, for lack of better terms, follically challenged. Yeah. And he always wore the ball cap, you know, so you could just see his little bit of hair like, you know, Ernie or Bert from Ernie and Bert on Sesame Street, you know. So guy that used to work for my dad and actually worked for you guys later on uh, named Aaron Broughton. Yeah. No, I he, know Aaron. Yeah. Okay. Well, Aaron was there. At, we were at the Outrider's Picnic. And um, your dad was there and Job. They were all, you know, like I said. Your dad and my dad were pretty close. I mean, really, a lot closer than people would know. I mean, your dad would get on the phone, and him and Joe would call him, and I'd fuck, they'd be on the phone for an hour or two, you know, once or twice a month. So anyway, um, I told, they were sitting at the table, I told Aaron, I says, hey, if you go over there, I'll give you a 100 bucks to go over there and pull Boyd's hat off and rub his fucking head. So he went over there. Pulled your dad's hat off and rubbed his head. He come over, I handed the hundred dollars, and your dad just looked and he started laughing. He says, "Fuck, I'd have done it for a hundred dollars." So no, that's funny. That's just one of them. There's a lot of different shit. The liars poker. They used to play all the time. Oh man, liars poker. I still to... suck at liars poker, yeah. man. But we'll have to have a little liars poker competition. Yeah, we did. We were having another board barbecue this year. Are you? I so yeah, if... we had we had one a couple. We had it's been a while since we've yeah. done one. We're gonna do it again, and we'll have a liars poker competition. We did that <laughs> at, at one of them, and I forget who ended up winning that one. But all right, well, well, well this is the whole point of the the podcast. Yeah, no, to, because to, what's gonna to happen be is you're gonna go home until... and you're gonna be like, damn, I should have said that. Should have said, that. dude. I mean, I could go on for hours. And then you know what? I'm gonna get a bunch shit. of call, and some people are gonna go, oh, that John, he's full of shit. Let me come on and tell the real yeah. story. <laughs> well, well fuck them go, have them come on here yeah that's guy told john write down your goddamn notes and, I, and I come on you. the show i don't yeah. need no notes you just gotta ask questions and i can answer them nah man well it's been fun man it, it's like, been a blast yeah i like doing this yeah so yeah. um are we done we're yeah are we done is this an abrupt ending this is it this is it so well, thank you guys for listening this is uh hot rides by boyd podcast with uh, our man John Robinson tonight. Oh, thank you guys for tuning in. We love you guys. Keep supporting us. And we got a lot more coming up. Adios. See ya.